Welcome to the Nick and Matt Show. Bringing the player interviews you want to hear and the hot topics you want to discuss. Recording live in studio, here's Nick and Matt. <laughs> what is happening, everybody, for I Already Forget, episode 128. We are in a very laughing mood right now. As uh, Ben and Matt have made a new intro that apparently showcases all the full screens. And uh, so I wasn't really prepped for it. But anyways, episode 128 presented by Cosmic Disc Golf. Go check out all great things over at CosmicDG.com. One of the biggest things for any New England residents in the surrounding areas. He's running multiple tournaments throughout the year. Check it out at CosmicDG.com to see which one he's running near you. Dude, so, uh, that anyways, honestly cracked me up because we forgot that we did a new intro until we hit it and then i looked over at ben and i said nick doesn't know and then it like literally i was like this could be funny or this could be really embarrassing like that's the time you're like dude i just gotta clean out my nose real hard yeah what if i was just like picking something <laughs> that's you what know? I mean. like, <laughs> did you hear nick literally when he popped up he's like oh it's on me yeah he's like yeah but nobody can hear you but it was yeah. full screen yeah. on you and then it was i was laughing next it was just me laughing genuine <laughs> laughter and then evan knew what was coming at that point i think so i would hope so yeah anyways evan is here yeah. can we throw him up oh we, if if intern ben sure. wants to it's, it's he's got the power all right, up, there is Evan Kearns after kind of ditching us last week. Came in for a little bit, but was too tired to really come on to the show that much. So he left after about 40 minutes or so. I, I think it was less than that. I was like fumbling my words. I didn't know what I was saying. I was I was tired. I was, uh, I'm not the best all-nighter kind of person. So yeah. my apologies. Yeah. I'm here. I'm well-rested. I'm here for the full two hours or more, however long this gets. <laughs> or <Yeah>. more. <laughs> What do you think we are? Smashbox? No, I'm kidding. We love those guys. It's fu it's funny. I, I I always try to get this out of the way. Like, we're not competitors with anybody, and I don't mean that. Like, hey, look at us. I mean, like, I'll go in Smashbox chat sometimes, and I'll see somebody comment. They're like, oh, like like Nick and Matt trying to steal all the interviews before Smashbox, and Smashbox is like, no, we're a different show. And I'm like, yeah. behind scenes, me and Johnny are hugging it out, and Terry and I are high fiving. But people don't know that. That's okay. Uh, we love each other. Nick, mm -hmm. you tell us to say we love each other. So I just did. Wow. Exactly. Also in the chat, very first comment or chat, I'm going to call it out and I, I'm not going to use the name. I don't, I don't mean to like point out the person, but there are still people who are frustrated with titles that say who won an event. I'm not going to make fun of the fact that somebody's frustrated, but I am going to say like, I, I'm still surprised that there are people who are able to not see like what happened after an event, like not see it, don't want to see it. Uh, no, I'm not surprised they want to see it I, like unfold. I get that. But like to last that long, it's now it's Monday night. Yeah, it's a day after, I guess, but I don't know. I, do you guys feel for these people at all anymore? Like well, how, where are you at with it? If anything, the only person to blame is Terry Miller for not putting out the coverage yet. So realistically, all of our blame can go to Terry Miller, the disc golf guy. And about, uh, from there, I mean, now it's it's live sports. It's like TV shows and everything like that. Once it airs, it's fair game on what gets set into a title. What about Gannon well, Burr? I mean, have, has, does anybody look at social media at all? Yeah, right. Gannon Burr posted like, hey, I won, you know. So what do you think, Evan? I, I agree. Although, like, I mean, this wasn't a live event. We, we're still waiting on coverage. We're still waiting on 
Lee, Chase, Sefio, like different tournaments. There's so much. There's live there's scoring. There's so much to watch. There's live there scoring. There's live scoring. There's live discussion. Uh, live social for, media. For all purposes, this was a live event, even though we're not watching live on TV, um, which it was an exciting one at that. So it, I'm stoked to see the coverage on it after the fact, but it's not me stoked to see True. it and know what happens first time. True. G- Gannon Burr will be on our show tonight. And if you looked at our title, you know why. <laughs> he took down the memorial. And if you're watching this episode tonight live, then maybe we spoiled it for you. And I'm not sure that I'm sorry. I don't like the way that you're feeling, but like it's part of what we do as a show. And it'd be like Gannon not posting that he won. He's like, ah, I don't want my fans to know until they know. Um, so anyways, that's just part of the show. We're glad to have him on. I think he's traveling to Waco. He's probably being uh, chauffeured around by his friends in a van. <laughs> we'll see how that goes. Um, I want to shout out discgolf.law. We had Chris Clark on two weeks in a row, and that's unfortunate, of course, and fortunate because both we have the access to this wealth of information in the legal realm. But shout out to him. He's helped us out with some of our legal documentation on the back end that you guys don't know about or need to know about. And it's been helpful to us. So I wanted to shout them out. You can check him out on his YouTube, subscribe there, um, or use his services. That's what he's there for. Um, He is entertaining on his YouTube, but man, he's helped us out with his actual services of legal knowledge in the disc golf world. Awesome. All right. Uh, Hey, question. Uh, Actually, let's not go to a question. Let's go right to Evan. We had two events, Memorial Championship and something Concho. What are we talking about? All right. Well, let's stop on the start on the one that you don't know the name of, and that's okay. Uh, it was the Crush and the Concho, uh, presented by Lone Star Disc out in West Texas and San Angelo, to be exact. And that one had a pretty solid field for also having the Memorial this weekend. Uh, Stacy Ronsley takes it down in FPO. Uh, she gets a big win in down in Texas, um, and we saw Joel Freeman went on the MPO side with a ten. 69 event rating which was 12 rating points higher than gannon burr's win that we'll get to in a second which i find interesting because uh we always talk about 1100 rated rounds high round ratings at memorial uh and what do you know joel freeman shot 12 uh points better uh for an overall event rating down in texas for the win there we also saw casey white pick up a podium nicola castro as well and emerson keith actually also got a podium but in second place finishing solo second i listed him last but he did finish higher um the memorial was real interesting uh we'll start with Owen scoggins though winning by 10 strokes over an fpo mm-hmm. uh over jen allen who's always a fierce competition and uh in Arizona FPO events. Um, and I think notably in this event, uh, there was Natalie Ryan in the field. She is, of course, uh, allowed to play um, PDGA events that are not on tour. I, I, I forget the exact specifics that they worded, but this event, she was allowed to compete in FPO. Um, and plus, she has the whole lawsuit uh, coming up. So we'll find out more. But she did finish third along with Anakin Steen, who is a Norwegian over in the U.S. playing uh, a lot of U.S. events to start out the year. Uh, and we also saw Maria Oliva finish fifth. Uh, but the big story is, as he said, Gannon Burr winning an MPO in a three-way playoff uh, at that, um, along with Aaron Gossage and Anthony Barella. Uh, it was close the whole way through with many different names, not just those three. There's also Isaac Robinson, Adam Hammes in the mix. Uh, and the scores were flying all over the place. I mean, following this, I, I think there might've been like everyone leading at one point, like four-way ties with 10 holes left. It was insane. Uh, even goes to a playoff. 
Um, another notable is Adam Hammison round one shot an 1100 rated round. Uh, this is, I believe the 54th, uh, unique 1100 rated round in the history of PDGA events. Um, it was Adam Hammis's first, and I should have had this up ahead of time. I think it was the 17th in Arizona, um, which 16 of those 17, if that 17 number is right, have come at the Memorial or Memorial based events. So everyone loves to talk about that. Um, and we saw yet another one by Adam Hammes. Okay. That's a good recap. And I'm just going to let you be the professional that you are and, and give it to us like that. I'm still looking at the chat and I'm just going to call it like overthrow says, Hey, they didn't know who won until they came on this channel. Um, someone also said they avoid social media specifically to not see spoilers. Oh, well, um, and so on and so forth. And I'm like, isn't YouTube social media? Like you avoided it, but you came here and like, if we didn't post it, like they're going to post the event. The point is like, it's going to be, I get it again. If you don't want to see, it, you don't want to see it. it. Avoid everything at this point. It is what it is. I'm sorry, but this and is the real season. Now the Nick and Matt show talks about the winners. We might not have to put it in the title, but I don't know. But we do at the same time. Yeah, but we do at the same time. I don't know what yeah. else to do. I mean, realistically, this show has been pretty common to have the winners from that event. We try our best to get the winners from an event. And so more than more likely than not on Monday nights, the Nick and Matt show has the interview with the winners. And so it's been like this for a few years now. I don't think it's changing anytime soon. So I guess we can say we apologize on our end. But at the same time, this has been something that's been going on <laughs> for three uh, years now. I, 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 yeah, I don't really know what to say after that. It just... Kind of is All good. Is. I if guess we YouTube didn't do the interview, miss, someone yeah. else was going to do the interview, and exactly, then you could go be upset at them. But we'll we'll be the first to it. Um, all right. In all seriousness, no, I do not like that people feel bad about it. I, there's probably workarounds, but it's the minor minority or the vocal vocal minority. There you go. There you go. You got it. Okay. Uh, did you give us? I might have missed it. Did, you gave us both event recaps, right? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I can keep on going if we want, but I feel like that was That's a good, a good so, recap. That was a good recap. So here's Gannon Burr question. <clears throat> First of all, he's going to be coming on. I don't know. We tiptoe around the fact that he's being sued by Prodigy, but wasn't it a little bit awkward? Social media. Here we go. Social media again. Um, Prodigy's like, good job, Gannon and Kale LaVisca for, you know, doing what you did at the memorial. And I'm like, everyone's like, ooh, now good job, Gannon. And now we sue you. <laughs> like, it's like, it's like that weird, like, they got to do it. They, they can't not promote their player. And then it led me to think, what is the best case result? I have a new thought about this for Prodigy. Some were saying, oh, maybe they sell um, and make money right now. Um, maybe <clears throat> people are like, they lose, lose, lose. If they make Gannon stay on the team, that's a lose because they're going to have a player who doesn't want to play for them. And vice versa, if Gannon goes, they lose because they had a player who's going to promote their product at a high level. And I said, I think there's one other option. <clears throat> is it that Prodigy is working? They should be working their butts off to regain trust and a relationship with Gannon. If that happens and Gannon legitimately goes, you know what? I made, and I'm not saying this is the case, but he says, I made a mistake and I actually love these guys and I love the plastic and you can tell it's not BS. That would be a win all around. 
because now Prodigy gets to have that player and maintain that long-term relationship. The player who can really market their discs and maybe they have a conversation that says, yeah, we didn't do as good as on our side. We're sorry that it led to this and we want to change that. We want this relationship. And they're all in and Gannon believes it. So both sides have an actual trusting relationship. That would be a massive win all around. Prodigy comes out not looking as bad. Gannon comes out not looking as bad. And I'm not saying, how do I say it? The public perception is the reality of people who are seeing it. So I'm not saying one is good or bad, but I am saying like everyone has their own perception of it. What do you think? Do you think that would be a win if they actually like Prodigy goes in like, hey, Gannon, we really want to do business with you and we want to make things right. Like, you think that'd be a win? Yeah. I mean, you're talking about one of the best up-and-comer players in the sport right now. Already has a major title, can win an A tier like we just saw this past weekend. Spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> but no, realistically, yeah. If they were able to keep Gannon and actually rebuild a relationship with each other and have it be something that's not fake, I think it would be pretty hard to sell a majority, like Gannon to sell himself saying like, oh yeah, I'm actually in love with this stuff. There would have to be a lot of changes with Prodigy and how they produce things and their consistency of their plastic with everything to, I think, make Gannon feel that way. But I would assume most players out in the sport right now have a dollar amount to where, yeah, you hit that certain number with a dollar amount and they'll happily stay with that company. Yeah. Any thoughts from your side? Uh, I mean, Evan, I'm just I'm just saying, like, if they come in, they're actually, I don't want to say win back, but it seems like that'd have to be the case. They actually win back the thoughts and the trust from Gannon. Is that like a massive win for everybody? I, I think it would be a win. I I think it is tough at this point with everything that has happened. I I, I believe it to be tough uh, for them to repair that relationship and have fans really truly buy into uh, Gannon and Prodigy together. Uh, I don't know what to make of it. I don't know what Gannon's feeling. I don't know what Prodigy's feeling. It could be that they play out this year and and they offer the best offer to Gannon at the end of the season. And he's like, Hey, you know what? Let's do this. Let's stay. This is this is great. Uh, and it's just something that we might forget about eventually, but I see that being tough. I think the best case scenario for everyone here is for another manufacturer to buy out his contract. Um, I think that's what Prodigy's hoping for, and I think Gannon's hoping for that as well. Of course, he can't control that. It fully depends on another manufacturer having the right price for Prodigy, if that is the case. Uh, I, yeah. If he if he did stay at Prodigy past this year, I guess I would be surprised. Not because I have any extra knowledge, but just my gut feeling. Yeah, I, I just had this thought in my head. I, and maybe it's the fact that I love to see relationships repaired. And that comes from a lot of places in my life. But like, if that was able to happen in place of such conflict, I think it would be a massive win. That's all I'm trying to say. I think, like again, Prodigy would benefit because they're there. Gannon would benefit because... People are going to see, you know what? He's sticking out a contract that, so I just feel like both sides could really benefit there. Um, but we're going to have Gannon on in about maybe four minutes when he joins our green room here. Um, but before we do that, PDGA 250,000. Uh, I think the quick stats are four years uh, to, from 100,000 to 200,000 was four years. Um, but it was like 40 years before that or 30 years, whatever. It's a long time before that to get to 100,000. Then to 200,000, it was like four years. Get the 50,000 more. What What is it? Two more years? Something like that. The long story short is it's it's on that exponential incline. Uh, active members, do you have any idea what that is, Evan? Active, actually, because this is just total L time. I think it's pushing 100,000, but not quite 100,000. If I 
I, I think. I That's, think it's like 95,000 or something like that. I was just going to say. I'm curious how many are kids that came and speak yet. <laughs> Could be as yeah. it gets close to over here. Yeah. yeah. I, I think that's probably a minority of it because you think about oh, it yeah. as you get yeah. closer to the, like, as you get closer to a fun number, like 200,000 or 250,000 people are going to do that. They will do that, but mm-hmm. that's a rush of, you know, a couple hundred here and there. But yeah, I think I, my number's 48,000. We're not, not straight on the dot, but I'm in the 48,000s and my son Hunter, we got him one young, but it was when he was playing disc golf and he has 89,000. And then you call it a day. It's two hundred and fifty thousand. It's like crazy. So it's really yeah. it's on the incline. Does it? Does the membership matter? Like, what number is big enough where we say, "Wow, we actually have a voice as a as a sport"? Does it matter? I, I think it already hit that. I mean, I think it's hit that for a while. I, I think like a hundred thousand is kind of like my limit to be that it's it's very good number. Uh, and now we're pushing two hundred fifty thousand. Like now you can say quarter of a million. That sounds really good. And we're going to keep on hitting new milestones. I mean, once you hit 500,000, that'll be a big deal. Uh, And then it'll be probably a little quiet until we hit a million. And that'll be a a really, really big deal at that point. It'll be really cool to see. And it's just, it's something to tell people to have them have something like tangible to understand. Mm -hmm. But it's just membership, right? So like you want to tell people the numbers, you're like, hey, there's like 5 million people around the world that disc golf or something, right? but membership, it's hard to convince them. When you say 250,000, they're like, that's a big number. But what does that actually play into for like, I think you know what I'm saying. It's, it's a membership. Yeah. So you say it's just that's a smaller why I'm always, number that represents the larger, I guess. Yeah, that's why I'm always curious of what, you know, UDISC, active members on UDISC is. Because that number's got to be way, way, way higher than what the PDGA has for memberships. Um, a lot of just casual disc golfers going out every single day with their family. Um, and using UDISC as a scoring app and yeah. finding out where different courses are. So realistically, I mean, say? I think that number is way bigger. I, I don't even, I don't know if they share that. They, they talk a lot about course growth. They don't really talk about their user growth. I don't think. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe, maybe disc golf growth report. They don't share a lot. I just went on their website. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, a. uh, uh, what am I trying to say? A technology company. So, uh, generally, you don't share how much users you have. True. And I think they kind of follow that idea. They said, okay, this is kind of funny, but 500 million people live within 10 kilometers of a disc golf course. <laughs> okay, good. 500 million. That's a lot of people, but I mean, that means they have access to it is the point. Um, and then do they give us any numbers? Percentage of pot? Okay. More people than ever are playing disc golf. Okay, 1.2 million disc golfers used UDIS. There you go, Evan. In 2022, yeah, used it, yeah. 1.2 million used it. Yeah, of course, that's not how many people pay for it. 548, uh, yeah, true. True. 548,000 of them scored at least one round. So um, you got a lot of different users, but you have at least 548 who actually scored a full round. But it sounds to me like you're at 1.2 for people who have used UDISC. How many millions are of disc golfs are there? Disc golfers are there? Oh, there's a lot more than that. Um, people don't. Yeah, know Yeah, probably about four to five times as much. I would assume. Yeah, uh, I think it's a very good number. It, it, I, I think having the PDGA membership is probably the best one to share with people because those are people who have a serious monetary value behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, you might have serious disc golfers who might not have a membership, just like you have casual disc golfers who might not have UDISC. Uh, but saying, hey, this person at least at one point paid $50 to have a membership, that tells me a lot, a lot more than 
uh, just using an app, mm-hmm. uh, for instance. And um, I think that's really cool to see and something good to share to show uh, the legitimacy of this sport. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take that. That's good. Um, we see that Gannon keeps attempting to join the, the green room <clears throat> and we can hear him because he's driving down the road um, and keeps dropping out. So who knows? Who knows what will happen here? Um, yeah. He's tried the two times. Beauty of live live podcasts. Yeah, and I'll say this: we care about our audio listeners that are listening. Post, I got a nice message this week that said because we had that audio issue with Katrina Allen. I was doing that weird sound, and it's just part of the li- nature of live. It's just part of it. As in, like if they come and it's not working right, there's so much we can do on our side. So we went with it, but on the audio side, I ended up clipping a lot of different things. And I put in a nice message that said, Hey, listen, we know we want to make it better for you working on. They're like, it's nice to know that you're actually thinking about us after the show. And I was like, yeah, Mm -hmm. everything we do on this show is at least 50, 50. If someone says, Matt, we could show a video and talk about it. I say, no, not unless we can describe the video because I want our Mm -hmm. audio listeners to be able to hear. So we appreciate you equally to our YouTube viewers. So we really do appreciate that. And Gannon's in here. Now, I don't hear him. <clears throat> Gannon, can you hear me? Thumbs up or yeah, maybe. Can you hear me? Thumbs up, Gannon? No? <laughs> oh, he can hear me. Oh, we can't hear him. We can't hear him. So it it's not it doesn't show that it's muted either. Um, so Gannon, we heard you when you first Yeah, when you first were getting in, we were yeah. hearing audio, but then this third time you got in, it's like as if there's no audio. So um interesting. You're gonna have to leave and come back. <laughs> Intern Ben says leave and come back. Uh all right. Well, like, okay, watch. We'll show everybody that you are here. Go go to the inter- go to the interview up. We're gonna show everybody he is here. He, look, his smiling face. Uh but look, look, he's moving oh, his yeah, mouth. Yeah. But we don't hear him. Do you exit out? Exit out. Come, come back, back in. Yep. He has his earbuds in too. <clears throat> hey, go to the vertical interview next time. True, true. Forgot about that. <laughs> I made someone new said scene. he might still be in a playoff. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't spoil it. Step number one. Dude, well, turn it off. Speaking of which, turn it back on. Is there a good way to like? I couldn't figure out oh, we who can won the tournament for a while. We can hear him. Yeah. Let's just go. Let's just go to it. Let's roll the dice right Gannon. now. We'll get back to you, Nick. <laughs> Gannon Mert. Gannon Mert, everybody. We there can hear he you. I can't see anything now. Oh, no. This is crazy. <laughs> what? But you can hear us? It's just. Like, I can't. Can you hear me? You yeah. Hear me? We hear yeah. you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I can see myself, but there's nothing on the screen. It's just blank. <laughs> what? Well, I guess I mean I mean Alden's watching the show right next to me, so <laughs> he can tell I can you. I can technically there you go. I can technically see you guys. He'll he'll nice. be like tur- a, it'll be a little delayed, but yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> He's yeah. like ten seconds later. Hey, turn your camera a little to the left. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, that's well, pretty anyhow. funny. And now you can't see us. You'll just have to trust that you look great and you're live on the Nick and Matt show. Okay. Okay. So. Congratulations. A lot of our fans are not. No, sorry. Sorry. A vocal minority. We're in our chat upset that we had our title saying that you won the memorial, but it is out there and people have been posting about it. I just want to get this out of the way. What are your thoughts on live spoilers or or post round spoilers? Are you keeping it a secret that you won, Gannon? It's so dumb. Like it's <laughs> it's sports like you're going to find out right away. It's not a big deal, honestly, but I'm surprised people are 
I mean, obviously you have those people that are going to be like mad no matter what, but I think it's kind of ridiculous. Okay. Enough about that. We, we've talked about that a little bit before you got on. Um, so you come out of Memorial. I mean, sorry, you come out of LVC. Uh, this is a two-part question. What was your confidence level coming out of LVC and now post-win at Memorial, Fountain Hills, Memorial and um, uh, Vista? What's your confidence level now? Um, well, actually, so, come, well, so after LVC... I actually felt de- decent kind of going into LVC and then um, they all kind of stemmed from like one missed putt on round one. I had a putt for the lead during round one. I hit, chained out and rolled OB and then just like that I was on the third card. So I, I kind of like lost my spark just like that and then had a couple mediocre rounds and then even round one and two at the Memorial were pretty mediocre for me. And I actually went back into my camera roll and, you know, watched the video of my form on one when it felt the best kind of. And uh, I kind of just saw one little thing I was doing wrong, and I, I started doing that for round three, and then everything just was kind of connecting, and that's when I shot my, my 12 down, 1093 rated round three, and then obviously eight down, final round, and then went into the two-hole playoff. Uh, so I, uh, I'd say I'm probably like a, after Vegas is maybe, or I mean, even after like the first two rounds of the Memorial, I wasn't feeling great. My putt hasn't been feeling good at all. My forehand's not great right now either. Um, I'm just, it feels great to win that tournament, just making everything work, uh, even though nothing feels too amazing right now, um, except for my backhand drives. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd say probably a 20 out of 100 coming into the Memorial, and then after Memorial, uh, probably again, 85, 90. I feel pretty good right now. Okay. What happened? I know you told me like you didn't do well after round, I think it was two, you just said for Memorial, but what happened? Did you get angry? <laughs> like what happened? Because you went off, man. You went off. I don't know. I, like I said, I just went back and watched my form and I'm like, okay, well, it's time to dial in, man. Like, like I was kind of sick and tired. Like, you know, I, a lot of people had big expectations for me coming into this year. And uh, even at Vegas, it felt like I played pretty solid. I was just off by a little bit to where, like, you know, let's just say at Vegas, you know, there's a good amount of out of bounds. You know, maybe I'd go OB 50 feet from the basket, miss my putt, and I'd bogey. Someone else would go OB 200 feet away from the basket, and then they'd still take a bogey. So my, my scores certainly reflect how – I feel like I almost earned a top 10 at LVC. It's just, like, nothing was going my way, it felt like. And I also didn't take advantage of many moments. Um, crap. Oh, what was the question again? I mean, I kind of no. Changed. I just said what 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 changed. Yeah. I said you. I was like, it seemed like you must have just got angry, <laughs> but that's what you just explained. Yeah. Us. Yeah, yeah. So during round three at the memorial, um, I had decent start birding through the first four holes of the, and I also had a, a couple of circle two misses. Um, I, so I got a kind of a bad break on hole seven during the third round. It's a little like par four that you, tee shot's somewhat difficult, but the second shot's a little more difficult. Um, you're throwing into this island green, it's uh, covered by like basically those Pro Tour sponsor walls. Um, obviously they weren't Pro Tour walls, but uh, same sponsor walls. And I was probably like 250 out, had the kind of a tricky lie, threw what I thought was a pretty good shot. And I ended up like hitting the wall in the air, coming down, cut rolling way out of bounds. And so at that point, I, I was only two down through, uh, seven holes in the round in the third round and I was uh, probably still like 10 off the lead at that point and I was like Gannon if you're gonna make a move you gotta do it right now and uh, that's why I birdied hole eight uh, part nine but nine only had two birdies on it for that day and then I 
diverted the whole back nine, which felt amazing. So, um, and then just like that, I made up nine strokes on the leaders and, um, you know, none of them had a good, a good day. So it was Aaron, AB and Adam right there. One stroke ahead of me uh, with Isaac one back of me. Um, yeah, just kept the momentum rolling. Same thing kind of happened during the fourth round. I was sad, but it wasn't playing great. I just kind of missed a couple putts. Uh, like whole one, I was OB by probably three millimeters. I mean, obviously it was OB, but it was, it was too bad. Um, and told myself once again after hole seven, I missed my first triple one putt of the event um, on hole seven. Same same hole that got me the round before. And like, hey, you need to make a move right now because you're you know you're behind. And uh, ended up making a single two putt on eight and nine for birdie and nine only had two birdies. I believe it was me and Cole Allen. So that was cool. And then yeah, kind of just kept the momentum rolling. Uh, I got like six of the next seven holes, and then ended up, you know, kind of running into some trouble in 15. I mean, it's a super exciting finish. I can go into more detail if you guys want, but uh, absolutely, it should be out on YouTube on the Disc Golf Guys, Disc Golf Guys channel here in a, in a couple couple hours probably. So that's gonna be really fun to watch even for myself. I can't wait to you know relive it. Yeah, I'm gonna watch it as well. Um when people say there's no live coverage, I see, you know, still comments coming in. There's no live coverage. So you spoil it though. There was, it was live scoring coverage. And I love watching live scoring coverage. And I was watching how it was unfolding hole by hole. And I was amazed at how close it got to the end to where you had to go to playoff. The only downside is that they don't do live playoff. And I think they're going to fix yeah. that. That's a topic for another time. But um, Nick, I'm going to throw it over to you. You got a question for Gannon? Well, I was going to say, I know a lot of the people are curious, and I'm curious as well. I just played a tournament this past weekend, did not shoot well at all. And so you're talking about how after your first two rounds, you went and looked back at form. Like, what are you what are you looking for? What are you trying to correct? How quickly are you correcting it? I mean, realistically, talk to us. If I'm coming from an amateur's perspective and I want to do well at my next tournament, even a small-time pro, you know, what am I looking for in those things when I'm going back and looking at form? It kind of depends, like, what your issue is at the time. Um, so for me, backhand is a lot easier to correct than forehand. So my forehand, it was just kind of a, I was kind of in a crappy position. Like my backhand, forehand, and putting all felt really off. And it was really weird. Um, you know, usually, usually I have one or two of the things working. Sometimes all three are working good, but, um, you know, nothing was working. Uh, so my issue, I don't know, I was basically turning my shoulders back too early. And to fix that, I just tried to stay in a, it's, it's so complicated, it's even hard to explain. I'd have to have like a video of me doing it. Um, okay. But yeah, basically like the example is I was just turning my shoulders back just a little bit too early, um, causing me to miss lines. And not even that was really the issue. The main issue was no confidence. And when I have no confidence, um, you know, I never blow up, but I have trouble getting a lot of birdies sometimes. And that was, that was kind of just the issue. Wow. And my first thought is, and it's probably obvious, you've dedicated a lot of time to it, but is how do you know so well when you look at yourself, what the problem is? Is it because you know what it should look like? Is that what you're, is that how you do it? Yeah, I think so. It's, it's always good to have videos. I feel for myself of, of my form, like when it was in its prime time. Okay. Um, and it, you know, your form, my form could look very, very similar. Most people like probably 85 percent of people wouldn't be able to tell a difference uh but you know i'm kind of a form nerd so i went back it was like you know i mean i can i can recall tournaments to where like yeah this is where my form felt good it just it just felt like it was coming out of my hand i could 
put it on any line I wanted to, and I felt confident. So I'd go back to the tournament, I threw it, and uh, I'd see, like, I'd go from, like, the feet up on what, what's happening and what am I doing? What am I doing wrong, basically? And, uh, you know, with that comes accuracy and distance. So I was starting a little bit further, and, and the accuracy was amazing at the end of the tournament with my uh, backhand shots. Yeah, so how proud of you? <laughs> if Isaac's watching right now, I don't know if he can hear us, but how proud are you of Isaac's almost joining the playoff? I mean, that's a big deal. He almost joined the playoff. You proud? Proud of your friend? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty proud of him. I remember he, he was telling me that. He's like, yeah, dude, you're you're not going to win, man. You know, I mean, we always talk trash to each other back and forth about stuff like that. And, uh, I mean, I, I am a person who checks live scores almost every single hole. And to me, it's kind of a boost and it. It's either a boost or it's a giddy up. So I'm like, yeah, if you're playing trash, check the live score, see how bad you're doing. That way you can make a correction. Um, or if you're playing good, it's a good boost. Like, hey, I'm I'm above these guys. I'm going to stay above them. Um, so I, well, I saw, you know, Isaac was probably three, four holes ahead of us because they, uh, they ended up um, having 20-minute gaps in the tee times where before it was only eight-minute gaps. So we didn't have any backups to file around where the other rounds we had big backups. Um, so there were the, whole, the chase card was like four holes ahead of us. So I got to see what was happening. And Isaac, I got like six of eight holes in a row, or well, six of a, a group of eight holes. And you know, he, I think he had the outright lead at some point or tied with me. And I'm like, okay, well, I still have a couple easy holes left. I have obviously A, a B, and Aaron, and Adam, one and two back of me. So I just told my caddy, if I, hey, if I birdie out, I win. But um, but then you know, ran into trouble on hole 15 there, took the bogey and. Next thing you know, it was a five-way tie between me, Adam, A.B., Isaac, and Aaron, which was crazy with three holes left. Obviously, we had my card had time to make a move. Isaac ended up bogeying 18, which is a pretty easy hole. It's either a birdie or a bogey um, just because of the distance and that OB it has. Uh, so, you know, if Isaac would have birdied that last hole, he would have been in the playoff with us. But it was just it was kind of insane. I mean, just such a good feeling to take that win down and, and uh you know, like I said, yeah, 10 strokes back of the lead with two rounds to go. You know, I was, I was talking with uh, A.B. and Adam. He actually came over to Ricky's house, which where I, that's where I was staying. And, and I was like, dude, I'm going to go 15 15. I'm going to beat you guys. And they're like, dude, we play these courses every single day. You got no chance. And uh, I thought that was kind of funny. Uh, we're obviously all, all friends. So, yeah. Cool. I, I We're going to talk about you after the show. T- I mean, after this interview, too, but. When we see your name so far down, the number of strokes behind, like you just mentioned, our mindsets as people who talk about disc golf and enjoy watching disc golf are probably similar. We're like, man, what's going on? Like, what does this mean? We're we're starting to write our stories here for the show on Monday night, right? And then you do something like that. It really shifts the way our conversation is going to be handled tonight. So Mm -hmm. good job to you there. Um, Evan, Evan, you got a question? Oh, I didn't have anything oh, planned. I thought I saw so, you raise your hand. I can see you, obviously. Uh, no, I say obviously. Okay, it was it was intern Ben's hand was raised. Here we go. Intern Ben here. Uh, so Gannon, um, when you shot that negative twelve round, say you're like negative six at that point, is everything just kind of going to autopilot? What's the mentality behind it, or is it more like I have to get this next one? I have to get this next one. What's the mentality of shooting a crazy hot round like that? Uh couple things going to my mind one i'm angry with how my round had been going like okay three down in the front nine that's not even that good i was hoping for like five down in the front nine i think five down is a pretty solid score you could get like six maybe seven but 
Uh, five's kind of what I was looking for. And saw myself at three down. I'm like, I'm not making any strokes up, no matter what I do. You know, like three down's not enough to make strokes up. You know, just uh, parked too late. Had a, you know, I'm like kind of when that happens is, I don't know, I just get into a roll and I just, I feel this rhythm and it feels like the game's so easy. It feels like I can't mess up, which is an amazing feeling. Um, you know, I, I've always kind of seen that myself with, you know, if I do get on a roll, I, there's no reason I can't win any tournament. It's just like, it just depends if I get on that roll. And I think my issue is in Vegas and, and even a lot of tournaments, even last year. Um, and, you know, I was getting, you know, top, top tens, but I wasn't winning a ton. And it felt like it was because I, I, mean, I went back to like thinking GMC last year. If you took the first six holes of my first three rounds, I was like one over par, like one over par on a stretch of pretty easy 18 holes. So it's kind of like it's just if I don't start hot, I almost like I don't give up ever. But it's just like it puts that extra pressure on you to where you're like, I have to birdie now. And if I don't get this birdie, I'm even in more trouble. And if I can see myself get those birdies like I was able to um, in that third round and just string them together like. I'm like, okay, I have five of the back nine already, four holes left. I'll just get, I'll, I'll just get the rest. And my caddy, uh, Gavin Babcock at the time, he did the first three rounds for me. So huge shout out to him and his ankles feeling a lot better. Um, okay. okay. Uh, you're going, you're going through a patchy spot. <laughs> In fact, good ankle. We just kind of lost him. You can go. Oh. Okay, well, he's kind of here, but his video is not here, which is crazy. So, um, yeah, can you hear us, Cannon? His his signal. Oh, yeah, he's back. there. He is. I've, I've heard you guys, this but he didn't time. hear anything we said. Oh no, he said he said he could hear that us. Good. Oh yeah, your last thing we kind of heard was you were talking about Gavin's ankle. You said it's feeling better. He should be able to play Waco. <laughs> Hopefully, play Waco. Yeah. Hopefully, play Waco. He can hear uh, us. But, yeah. I'm but there's like a 10 second delay. <laughs> All right. Let's let's sit tight. Let's take a 30 second break from Gannon and let him get into better coverage. So um go ahead and let's yeah. let's do that. We're gonna mute him publicly, but we'll still hear him in the background. If you can hear us, Gannon, just sit tight. We're gonna watch and make sure your your signal's coming through strong there. Um and well, I mean, he just jumped out too. He's realizing his service is probably kind of bad. Uh, they're driving, and I think that uh, someone's like, "I hope Isaac has a heads-up display because how is he watching and driving?" And I'm like, "I hope he's not driving. I hope it's someone else." But that takes me back to the Ricky episode. Do you remember oh, yeah. that? Do you remember? Yeah. That? <laughs> yeah. Rick, I'm pretty sure we don't know still to this day, but I'm pretty sure he was driving and interviewing. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm going to ask him uh, if he makes it back and if he's if they're watching right now and they make it it's, back. They'll it's know funny because he's giving us a whole story right now. Yeah. Um, five disc Gannon. I'm going to ask him about and how that turned to seven disc Gannon. And then generally, like, where are we at? Like, if he wants to give us any update, but we'll see if he comes. Do we back. have him back? No. He actually literally did, dropped out of the green room and everything. Like, gone. Did, did he say how many discs he was throwing at Memorial <laughs> or at the end of Vegas? He didn't. Did, you, did you just make up seven? Well, I think it was you, Evan. Actually, I have to give you credit. Oh, well, that's that's what I was asking about because oh. yeah, you, you, you could see his bag. I mean, I'm sure you could see it on coverage at times too, uh, at LVC, of course, or I, I guess 
uh, this past Memorial uh, post produce. Uh, but he it looked like he had his normal bag and it was not all the way full. It was probably about like half full. You could see disc leaning over, but a lot of discs in there kind of putter pouch fairly full. I would probably guess it was closer to like 10 to 12 uh, total discs. Oh, look at that. Hot take. Hot take or hot facts right here. Hot facts. Okay, so, so. Gannon, Gannon's back. We'll see if the signal's good. We got a couple closing questions, if that's the case. If he's able to stick it. Hey, look. Hey, you went to the wrong Yeah, interview. I know. I got to get used to it. <laughs> Woo, that was a quick Do we day. have him back? Can you hear us, Gannon? Gannon Burr. It's kind of frozen up. <clears throat> it's kind of... We could just ask him anything well, before, we want now. Yeah, before Gannon does come back, uh, shout out to Jacob Curtis, or Cordis, who is Cupcake known as cupcake really good dude out of california was actually on the lead card for a little while in the chat he said he had at least 15 discs so take it for what you will oh. but a dude who played around the same score as him uh says that so. now let's see let's see how good he is with numbers and this is going to be a burn jacob but if he had 15 discs how long did you take the putt Oh, good God. <laughs> I heard I heard about that. I haven't even watched Sheesh. it yet. But. Jacob, I don't think I've yet to meet you. I've yet to meet you in person, I should say. I've had conversations with your dad back in the junior days and all that. Literally no harm meant here. But Terry called you out in coverage, and I timed it because my kids are watching. And I will say the one that I timed was like 45 seconds. No. When you're not used to people taking their full 30, when you go 45, it feels like two minutes. So I still am of the opinion. I think that rule could go away. It could be modified or you could have times you could ask for more. Like I'm down for that. So I don't think it's egregious in the sense of like, dude, you're a bad dude. But I think with the rules, the way they are, unfortunately, someone could call you on it. Some people want to be called on it, but that's a whole nother story. We're glad you're in the chat, Jake, and maybe we'll have you on. And if he's at 45 seconds, that's only like three fourths or so of what Ben takes to putt. So uh, he's doing good there. Yo, you are capping, Kearns. Last time we played, well, thing, I was I was a putting machine. This man's like Sir Cap a lot. Jake, Jacob that, commented. That's true. You are right. Jacob, you were crushing it, going quick and making putts. Jacob commented. The funny thing is that I took like two long putts and they're the ones he left in, of course. And he goes, my pinky was numb. Now, I don't, I'm assuming it was numb from taking so long or it was numb. <laughs> that's like why you wouldn't putt. Losing, losing blood circulation as he's holding it up towards the basket. <laughs> oh, Listen, man. In his defense, you know, we all get the yips. I get the yips. I'm not a thousand. Is that player. what it is? He 100%. can tell us in the chat. He can tell. You can us be a thousand rated player and still get the yips. I'm, no, I'm saying, yeah, I'm saying I get. I'm saying I get the yips. I'm not a great player, but I, everyone gets the yips. 100. That's why you take forever because you're like you start overthinking. Like, oh, I have to make this. What's gonna happen here? And then you, know, you keep going, going over and over. I'll say this. So, you know, I've had fair success in the local tournament scene. Haven't found an insane amount of success success on the like top professional scene of things. Um, I like to consider myself a pretty quick player. I line up a putt. I don't really do a lot of like pre-shot routine pump fakes towards the basket or anything like that. I kind of just like to line it up, think about what the wind's doing and then just attack the basket. Like I would kind of when I'm practicing. I mean, I carry a stack of putters when I practice. And so it's trying to keep one, you know, repetition going throughout the whole time. So it's always, you know, funny to me. I've never found where I've had like, if I'm having a bad putting day, I don't really consider it the yips. I think it's just an off day, but it doesn't make me take more time, if that makes sense. So I don't really feel like the yips, not not for everyone. Every single disc golfer is different. Don't get me wrong. But for me personally, I feel like, I don't know, I'm trying to like say this. Um, oh, he just commented. Me, 
to me, putting is, I think, one of the easiest things actually to do in disc golf. And I enjoy putting. Oh, I love putting practice. And now, <laughs> well, no, now I'm not saying I'm the best putter in the world at all. And I still have really bad days of putting. But I honestly think putting is the easiest thing to work on because of how simplistic you can actually make it. Um, I don't know. I, I, that's just my take on that. He said, so he, he just commented, I've had the yips a bit the past month or so. I'm normally a really fast player, so it's really weird to me. So probably for him, it is just, he's just in his head. And he said his pinky freezing. Well, it was numb because it was freezing. <laughs> to them, I say to them, we're from New England. To them, freezing is like, it was 45 degrees, 50 degrees. We're like, ah, oh, it's a nice oh, spring. Yeah, their, their weather, you know, for being out in Arizona, I heard their weather was actually trash compared to, you know, what it's been in the years past. I remember the, I think I've been out to Arizona twice now, 2019, and it was like, 89 degrees when we were hanging out that week like consistently throughout the whole week because i remember getting i went to a barber shop right next to spinners on the green and the dude butchered my haircut and so i just <laughs> had him cut it like really short on the sides it, it looked awful from what i remember but my whole head got sunburned i mean back then i was living in massachusetts to where i'm obviously not getting any sunlight like actual good sunlight in the winter time and uh yeah i had a massive sunburn on my head it was pretty pretty insane well, yeah, it doesn't need to be hot to get a sunburn either. No, I know. But like when you're talking about, I mean, I'm not going outside as much in the wintertime as I would in the summertime. Yeah, yeah. All right. We'll see. We'll see here if uh, it's even possible to get Jacob on uh, to talk to him. He's had, honestly, some might be upset for me to say a breakout year when it's not, you know, a breakout per se. But like he's he's performing at a very high level. Um, it, it was early last year that he was making a name for himself too. Yeah, some of the kind of early, you know, West Coast kind of I don't know what to call it, Arizona and Vegas, uh, kind of mountainy West uh, to West Coast uh, events. But yeah, he uh, finished seventh at Memorial. I mean, beating names like Drew Gibson, Andrew Marweed, Andrew Presnell, Alvin Harris, Luke Sampson, Vino Makala, uh, all names that are established players on tour who get top 10 finishes top 25 finishes on tour with ease i'll say and he's out there beating them and he consistently beats a lot of other good players uh, at these events so i think he's got a good future uh we'll see how much he plays on tour in the future and uh uh how he keeps on looking i guess at these regional events is that's what he's sticking to yeah he's been around a long time um like i said in the junior scene he's been playing since you know he was younger um as a lot of players have now, it's going to be the the normal thing. As I've always said for disc golf is going to have people who started when they were younger. Uh, his dad would comment a lot on my son's post and Hunter because similar team Innova back in the day is what he was. Now he's team clash clash. Okay. Yep. Um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see if we can get him on. Uh, he's chatting with us in the chat right now, live. Uh, sometimes it's fun trying to line this up, getting names changed and links sent and all that. But Gannon, it seemingly keeps trying to get in to the green room and it like shows that somebody's there, but like not there and it's like not yeah. working. So we're going to assume. Sucks too, because we have so many things to actually ask Gannon tonight. And that was the, you know, I'm gonna, whole premise of the show. Yeah. So. I mean, we asked a good amount, but we got more yeah. we can ask him. Um, I'll just say, let me know. I'm texting him. Tell Bet. Alden to stop at Starbucks. Get a, <laughs> get a nice coffee, and he can use the Wi-Fi. Okay. Um, I, mean, I, just I think they're in like the middle of New Mexico or something. They might not see. <laughs> yeah. They, they might Are there like even a, Starbucks right, out there? Burgers, like a random man. gas station? <laughs> Dunkin' Donuts, something. I mean, we could just do a phone call with him if you wanted. 
like with Gannon, like just a straight up phone call. If he has service for a phone call, he definitely does. Um, what are we doing live? This is this is a weird world. It's <laughs> great. Um, let's let's do this. Um, let's talk about it. Ricky's still struggling with his wrist. I saw his social media. I think it was today. And one thing that's interesting about Rick's situation, and the same thing happened with Lyme's disease, is that everyone comments under the sun the best way to take care of himself. He has his own thoughts, which everybody does, and they have that right to. Mm-hmm. And, but then he actually does facilitate conversation in the comments a little bit. And I've noticed like he did that even today, where someone's like, dude, you should just go straight to like heat therapy, forget the ice. Like, not necessarily get rid of the ice baths. Like, for you do those for whatever reason you do them for. But like heat therapy is going to, and he was actually catering that. He's like, oh, wow. So like, this isn't good. That isn't good. Da, da, da. So he's like, who knows? But his wrist, what do you guys think about that? It's, he says, hopefully I'm good for Waco. Imagine this just keeps rolling forward. Like, what does that mean? What do you think? Well, I mean, it's, it's always tough when the number one player in the world isn't at the events that you kind of want to see the number one player in the world at those events. Um, Ricky hasn't won Waco yet, and so I know that's a tournament that he probably really wants to win, like being any other Elite Series event. Every single player wants to go out and win those events. Um, but battling an injury, and especially an ongoing one, um, it's just kind of uh, it's a huge bummer, realistically. Coming from a fan standpoint, and then also a social media guy, and then also a competitor. Like You don't want to see fellow competitors you know, hurt to where they came and play the tournament. You always want to try to beat someone on their best day. Um, so kudos to Ricky for at least taking the health seriously and saying, you know, Hey, I got to keep prolonging when I come back onto the tour full time so that I can be fully healed up. So when he does come back out here, hopefully he's, you know, 90 to hundred percent. And I know we've talked with Paul Uliberry in the past about this. I mean, no player out there, I think would say they're actually hundred percent with their body. I think a majority of them would say they're probably 75 to 90% with how their body is actually feeling. Um, but a lot of disc golfers are in the position to where every single tournament matters and every single, you know, top 10 placing matters, top 20, even, you know, when you're trying to get into the pro tour at the end of the year, when you're trying to qualify for USDGC, when you're trying to, you know, get the invite to worlds, all these things. I mean, the, the season's long, the off season's pretty short. It's tough to um, consistently be an athlete as a disc golfer. Now I think a lot of players are actually stepping it up and learning how to build that. And I think those players will stay a little bit less injury prone. So hopefully the same thing with Ricky can kind of just battle back from it. And the interesting thing is, like, Ricky has and hasn't really performed well at Waco in the past. Uh, I mean, he has two podium finishes in 2017 and 2019, but he also has four outside top 10 finishes. And he only has nine outside top 10 finishes at all elite uh, DGP. DGPT elite events, excuse me. Uh, so four out of his nine outside the top 10 have come at Waco, uh, just barely outside the top 10, but still like hasn't been in contention really for the win in the last three years at Waco. And Waco is a course that a lot of different people can attack. So if he is kind of 50, 50 on his, on his wrist, like maybe he just takes it slow for another week, tries to get out to the new event at Austin. And if not after he, he, I feel like he has to go to Texas state because he's, uh, done pretty well being six for six at that core uh, at that event, even though it switches courses. Um, but overall, I feel R- Ricky's uh, a smart guy at this stage. He knows that rest may be mess. Excuse me, rest may be the best option. And so, if he's not feeling, you know, uh, maybe not a hundred percent, but like you said, uh, Nick, like if he's not feeling seventy five percent or better, we might not see him this weekend, uh, mm-hmm. and, and that's okay because he's playing for the longevity. 
Exactly. And I think, you know, every single player wants to win events, no matter, I think, what caliber they are. If you're playing an event, you're playing that event to win it on the professional standpoint of things. I mean, look again and winning Memorial is just an A tier. It's not a silver series. It's not an elite series. It's literally just a massively glorified A tier that has a very, very long history with the national tour, the pro tour. It's kind of been the kickoff event of the season for a large, large number of years. And he's going out and he still wants to win that event. Uh, you know, every single one of those guys going out there want to win that event. I think Ricky's the same way. He doesn't, you know, Ricky realistically does not need to go out and, you know, make a thousand dollars at an event. If Ricky's going to it, Ricky's going to it to try to win the event and nothing else really matters at that point. At least that's kind of what I get mindset with him. Um, and then, you know, being a the reigning uh, disc golf pro tour champion, you got to build up those points. I mean, look who's in the lead right now. I think Ezra Aderhold, then Paul Macbeth and Calvin Heimberg. I mean, they're getting points and points and points from all these events. So you got to think, okay, when is Ricky coming back and how much of a push can he make to get into the new Disc Golf Pro Tour finale format? Yeah. Hey, thanks guys for filling in a lot going on behind the scenes over here. Uh, Gannon called me literal phone call. I don't know if I was on screen or not. I had things muted, nope, but nope. I have um, no clue. He's like, Hey, uh, but it's like breaking up. He's like, the service is so bad. But <laughs> I'm like the phone call won't even go through. And you know, what's a real tip off is as an iPhone user, the green, the green bubbles were coming through, not the blue ones. So, you know, he's in a bad spot. So if in the next 15 to 20 minutes, service gets better. We plan to have them back in. We even tried to say, we'll do a phone call, like whatever is easiest to get the interview completed. Um, we apologize. It's a live show thing. They're on the road. It is what it is. We'll try to do better. So uh, in, in spite of that, I think we lined up Jacob Cordes. He's not in the green room yet, but he's trying to. Is that he's right? He's trying to. I, I'm telling him to come on the in drill. and join. Just tell him to accept the permissions. Let us control his I'm computer. Trying. <laughs> oh, did someone something flash up there? No, no okay. I'll let you know when he's. All right, no, let us just change screen. Uh, so thanks for covering that topic. I just thought it was interesting seeing Ricky uh, still saying his wrist was an issue when he was originally like, ah, I could probably play All Stars, you know, but maybe I'll just pull out. And then it's like, no, I'm gonna wait and not play LVC. And now it's like, I'm hoping I can play Waco. That's a bigger deal than I think he thought it was, or or he wanted people to know it was. So, um. Gan is not on right now, so let's talk about him. <laughs> After about him. LVC and then through to round two of Memorial, if you were following along, what was the story that you were writing about Gannon Burr's start of the season in your head? Like, were you like, this is not this is this is not shaping up to be the right season? Or were you just like, no, it doesn't matter I'm, at this point? I'm giving Gannon a pretty big pass going on with whatever is happening in his own personal life. So I'm kind of giving him a little bit of time to settle in, figure out what needs to be figured out right now. I mean, hopefully we can get Gannon back on. I, you know, one of the things that I wanted to talk about with Gannon was, you know, how's his mentality right now? I mean, you go out to the all-star break and all of a sudden you're hit with a lawsuit from the manufacturer who sponsors you and that you're trying to get out of. Then you go out to LVC where you got second place last year, lost in a playoff, and then now you go out and you win the Memorial. So obviously, I mean, he's trending in a good direction of his disc golf play, averaging, what'd you say, about 1050 at the event, Evan. So a great round average throughout the whole event, excuse me. And uh, yeah, I mean, realistically, he's got so much going on, I think, in his own personal life that if he deserves a little bit of a pass going on right now. I'm not really holding him to the highest of standards of, you know, he should be going out winning every single elite series event because he won a major last year. I think there's a little too much going on, but he's certainly capable of still going out winning 
realistically any event that's out there right now. So I will say, I actually think that's a really balanced and solid take that you just came off the cuff with there. The different, you said, you know, best just because he won a major, I would only say, yeah, and he finished fourth overall, like in the whole year. Like that's not just a major, like that's incredible. So it's almost like his track record was so high that you have to believe he should, he should be able to at least do top 10, like through the whole season, mm-hmm. you'd feel like you should, um, with his start, his lowest, like, is that true? Evan Statman? was that his lowest finish in the last like year? It- yeah, I think I think I shared that last week. But thirtieth yeah. place at LVC was lower than he finished all of last year. Yeah. You'd have to go. I, I think I did say that. I think it was you like did. Idlewild in twenty twenty one, something like that. Uh, something mid to late twenty twenty one was his last finish that was worse than thirtieth. So it it speaks to what an incredible run it was. And yeah, it it wasn't his best event, but I, I put almost no stock into how he performed uh, at the end of LVC and the beginning of Memorial. I mean, he was still like it, it's to start out the Memorial. He averaged ten fifty. He shot 1054 rating in round one and then 1026 in round two if 1026 is your low uh that means you're doing something pretty good i don't have any worries about it and then of course how he he rebounded with a 1093 rated round and then goes on to win uh playoff or not like it was an incredible performance he's he already jumped back to what it is i mean i'm not going to claim him the Waco victory already, but I think he's looking good and disc golf's all about momentum. And now he has momentum going into uh really this next st- stretch of the pro tour season because we had one event, the kind of a, a quick little extra event. And now we're going through a new stretch of the Texas events. Yeah. And we in disc golf love to make a big deal and react like in large ways to everything. So I, I agree. Let's sit tight. He came back and really showed at Memorial. He's that's who he is. Like he finishes strong and that's how he had such a successful season. Uh, so that's awesome. Uh, but doesn't sound like we're going to get Gannon back for at least a while. Uh, he just said so bad. That's the text I got. So we're, we can just text interview him. Maybe I should ask him a question. <laughs> we'll see how he gets back with. But in the meantime, well, I think we do. They just went black. Jacob, if you can hear us, your screen went black, probably because you pulled down the browser. But, uh, whoa, it's like the witness protection program. Okay, there he is. Okay. So, all right, here we go. Let's bring here him in. Jacob Cordes from the go. YouTube chat, upgraded to the Nick and Matt show live on screen for the first time ever, Jacob, because we were razzing you, we had to bring you on and apologize, but how's it going, man? I'm doing all right. How you guys doing? Good. Chilling. What's going on, Cupcake? How you doing? I'm doing all right, man. Okay. And I, I hope... birthday yesterday. Hell yeah. Happy belated. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Do you have any cupcakes? I don't know how that works. No, I don't like cupcakes, but I got brownies. <laughs> My brownies, first brownies will do. Yeah. My, yeah, but you don't sure. want the nickname brownie probably. So when you, no. <laughs> I love brownies. I actually just made a batch of brownies yesterday. I put Reese's pieces in them. And anyways. So now that we're talking about brownies, my first introduction to you, I think was Paul Macbeth smashing a cupcake in your face at Fountain Hills. Is that, is that a thing? That is a thing. He got some slack for that too. Um, I can't remember what year it is. I want to say maybe 2015 or 2016, possibly. What do you mean he got some flack for that? I don't know. People were calling him like a bully and all sorts of stuff. It was pretty funny, but like they're all my friends. So, I mean, it was all in good faith. I was just going to say, how did you feel about that? Was that a a prime moment for you? Were you happy with it? How did you feel in the moment? (laughs) Um, 
Man, I can't even remember. I mean, it was just like, what's going on? Because I wasn't <laughs> expecting it. But because I was just like, I because he brought me up to like with Terry to say like it was my birthday. And the next thing you know, I had cupcakes in my face. I mean, I don't think you're expecting that. No, <laughs> not like, at all. Know. Not at all. Now we didn't we didn't totally bring you on for this purpose of asking about cupcakes, but you, it's the first time on the show. We got chat. You you were in the chat. You know what it's like. People are asking questions now. They're like, yeah. like, how old are you? So that's the first question. How old are you? Uh, I just turned twenty years old. Twenty years old. There Someone just guessed. Overthrow disc golf. I'm assuming Josh over there said, looks like he's twenty two. So go go back to studying. Go back to the fair if you want to win some games. I guess Josh, but twenty. Um. All right, you've been performing really well this year, and Evan actually just mentioned a little bit ago, you started out last year pretty strong. I am i don't mean to say that's how this year is going to be, but like, is, it, is there something about this portion of the world for you that you play better at the beginning of the year? Uh, no, I actually, I just started playing again, uh, kind of like last, I want to say November, and then I kind of just like fully invested back in the disc golf. And then last year was kind of my season to just like, kind of just get back in the swing of things, playing tournaments and do all that and just try to see where my game was at. And then I kind of fell through a little bit of like issues of kind of consistency and uh, putting and stuff like that. I mean, disc golf, I feel like when you come back from a break, it's kind of necessarily easier. Like you don't have so much pressure on you. So it's kind of just a breeze in that, like that aspect. And then this year, I kind of just try to fine-tune my game, dial everything up, and then this year is just trying to really put together solid finishes and not playing any games no more. Interesting. Evan, does that change your perspective of uh, what we're thinking? Well, I had to do some research into it because I was just speaking from my, I guess, from my gut or, gut or just like back of my brain trying to figure out what's up. Um, what I kind of dug up, though, is is you've done really well at A tiers that are kind of local, let's say, to the Southwest, including California. Um, but when the Pro Tour comes around, I mean, the field's just that much bigger, kind of heightened field. And it's a little bit tougher kind of breakthrough. You had a 33rd at OTB last year uh, or 2021, excuse me. Um, but outside of that, you know, struggling to get top 40, you know, some 80th finishes. And I don't mean that bad because it's obviously a very, very good field and heightened event. So, uh, it, it kind of seems it, as far as results go, a clear difference between these a tiers that still have great fields compared to the kind of the pro tour coming to town. I mean, yeah, I didn't necessarily have good finishes like last year when it came to pro tours or like some of the higher events, but I was kind of just trying to get in the swing of things and kind of was still treating it like it was like it was fun golf. Like I wasn't necessarily too serious on it. I just wanted to have fun. I wanted to get my name back out there. And then I knew that this year I was going to take it serious and really just tackle it and just buckle down and just do what I can, you know. So, I mean, there, there was a lot of work on from last year. Just had to dial in my sidearm, my backhand, my touch shots, everything, getting my putting stroke down. I mean, I'm having a little bit of issues right now with all the time. Um, I think somewhere in there, my putting stroke has changed. So it's causing me to kind of try to find it, I guess, when I'm playing like actual tournament, which is causing me to play a little slower because I've never been like a slow player. So I don't know. It's just I'm just trying to get back in the swing of things. And this year I'm just tackling it like head on. 
Now, are we going to see, you know, more tour events from you this year? Kind of what's your schedule like going forward for the 2023 season? So I am back in California. I'm playing Huntington Beach Surf City. <clears throat> I think it's like a C or B tier. Um, playing this one because I, I won it last year. So I want to back-to-back this one. And then I'll play Daniel Bow, which is an A tier in San Diego at the end of the month. And I'm not doing the Texas or Waco swing, but when it comes back to California for Masters Cup, and then I'll do Portland, and then I want to hit the back half of the swing, like mm-hmm. Ledgestone and Great Lakes Open and the other ones. Now, are you fully invested into disc golf for the 2023 year, as in this is your source of income? This is how you are you know, pretty much surviving? Correct. Okay. And how do you feel like mentally, how does that feel going from – Let's say before you're working a full-time job, you're going out to tournaments when you can. How does that feel going into the 2023 year of, you know, this is what's happening mentally? Where are you at? I mean, I worked a little bit um, before the start of last season. And then last season, that's all I did was play disc golf. I mean, I still live at home with my parents. I mean, I kind of don't necessarily need to move out yet because Mm -hmm. I am traveling pretty often. So it is nice coming back here. I don't have to pay like rent or anything. So that obviously helps. But then uh, just coming into this year, just playing as many tournaments. I mean, the help from my sponsors is incredible. They support me really well. So just, I mean, my headspace is good. Um, Not too worried about money or issues on that part. So I can't complain. Can I ask about the sponsorship thing? Because I kept mentioning like your dad and my, me with my son and team Innova Uh, was team Innova is the junior team that you were on, which I understand. I think you age out. I think it, is it 16 or is it 18? They, they age you out. Uh, I'm not entirely sure. I think they bumped me up when I turned pro back in 2015, I would say. How old were you there eight years ago? Oh, I actually, no, it wasn't 2015. It was 2017. Sorry. Okay, so that would have been, what, 15 years old 15. or something? Yeah, yeah, like 15 or 16. Yeah, so I think I remember when that happened because I was following the team. But was that something that you – I'm not trying to make bad light here. Did you choose to move on from Innova for a better sponsorship? I did. Okay. I felt – in a way, I felt not to bash Innova or anything, but I felt like I was kind of still in the limelight of being a kid, which sucked. So I felt like I couldn't get any help there. So I kind of had to move on elsewhere. Interesting. I can totally see see that being a thing. And um, who knows where my son will get to at one point. He'll grow up, make his own decisions. But right now we're with Innova for him. But you're with Clash Discs. Um, you said they're supporting you in a great way. They are newer. They, they don't come mm-hmm. across as the big dogs, if you will, the Discrafts and the Innovas. But like, what do they offer you that you've been really enjoying? Uh, just, I love the open bag. Uh, I can throw whatever I want. I mean, I still throw my halo destroyers. I throw halo bosses. Um, AB just got the venom. So I'm throwing that, um, just to support him. I throw firebirds. I throw a bit of everything. So that just that aspect of it's really nice. I mean, they pump me out, uh, fundraiser discs that helps me out on tour. So I could sell those and get profits from those to, kind of help keep me out on tour and everything else that's in a contract like bonuses helps goes a long way and just everything else they do for us it it does really help us what is there a requirement for desk besides is it just it's a pure open bag uh yes pure open bag 
when I had first uh, started talking to them at the beginning of the season last year, I want to say it was after Vegas, and then I signed, uh, let me see, like probably like March 15th or so, something like that. And I asked them, I was like, hey, like how many discs am I required to throw? And they said, technically zero. They're like, but we have faith in our disc that you will throw at least one or two of our discs, if not all of them. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, just them being confident in their own discs and actually getting the discs to my house and filling them and throwing them, they are amazing discs. The plastic feels amazing. You can't go wrong with that. Do you think that there's a million-dollar sponsorship out there in the future that throws an open bag? <laughs> I think so. Wow. I I think we're growing at a rapid pace. I mean, more money's coming in. We have, like, for example, Todd Rainwater coming in, buying the Pro Tour and all that. I have a feeling that it, no doubt it will get to that point. I'm not saying it will be now, two years, five years, but eventually I feel like that will be like an opportunity. Mm-hmm. I think that would be awesome to watch a player with an open bag win. Um, I also think, and I don't know – this kind of sounds oxymoron, but I, or not really. I'd love to see somebody win that didn't have a major disc golf sponsorship. So somebody outside that was not disc golf related. Um, let's say Red Bull decided to sponsor you. That was it. You're only on with Red Bull. They're paying you a good salary. Is that something you'd be interested in? As long as the salary was good, you just have an open bag? Yeah. I mean, not Red Bull. <laughs> I don't drink energy drinks, but a Pepsi sponsorship would be pretty good. Uh, Nick, are you happy with the Pepsi sponsorship or we got to go diet? No, absolutely not. I think if Coca-Cola came into the sport, it'd be the greatest thing that ever happened in disc golf. Yeah, but aren't you off of it? No, no, not right now. I uh, <laughs> have right one. Got one, no. got one on standby. Oh, no. Off okay. of it like it's a drug. <laughs> I, uh, well, no. So I, Is you know, not? I go in sporadic, you know, times where I'll, stop soda for a bit i can't say that i've ever quit it because obviously i drink it right now and that is not the definition of quitting but my mama didn't raise no quitter so coca-cola is sticking around for a while nope i think last time i talked to you you were on a break from it back at yeah i think last year um (laughs) confess because we were were hanging out we were hanging out in Kansas and there was about six months where I wasn't drinking any soda. The only thing I was drinking, I think was like water and apple juice and then some lemonade here and there. But one of the biggest reasons was just to cut back on the, I'll say insane amount of sugar that's in those things. <laughs> I'll um, say it. Re- realistically, like, yeah. So when I used to, I mean, when I was working construction, I was up at three 30 to five 30 every single morning and I don't drink coffee cause mm-hmm. I don't really care for the aftertaste of it. And if I do drink a coffee, it's usually, got cream and extra sugar in it just to actually make it taste somewhat decent um and so i was like i I would just have a coca-cola at like five or seven in the morning and that would kind of be my caffeine intake for the day and then uh the first couple of days of not drinking it you get the nice little caffeine headaches you know because you're kind of going through withdrawals in somewhat of a sense and then um then after that it's fine i just uh like i love the taste of it and there are times but now that now that the season's come back and my play was pretty garbage this last weekend, I think it's time to maybe stop again. So okay. we'll see. Next week might be one week no soda. We're gonna do I don't think it's 
the soda. <laughs> no, I know. Yes. I love how you come I just, on and you get to I use it. I use the soda as a crutch and just say like, oh, so if I go out and you know do well at my next term, I can be like, ah, oh, it's just the freaking soda, not because of my lack of practice right now. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm glad that we got off on that tangent, though, uh, for Red Bull. And so here's what we're going to do, though. We're going to take a quick minute break here, uh, Jacob. Just sit tight. We'd love to ask you a few more questions. But I want to talk about a product that I absolutely love and that we absolutely love on the Nick and Matt show. This is DG Max Wax. It is a legal PDGA mini that is wax. Now, this is the winter blend. Uh, It is amazing. The quality of this product is for the wind, uh, for the wind, for the winter is especially high. If you use the previous version, which I have here, and I put a sticker on it, that doesn't come that way, but this here in the summer withstands the heat better in your bag. It doesn't melt as easily. Um, But then you go to the winter blend when it gets cold out, this is still the right tackiness to get your fingers to the right enhanced grip level that's going to let you spin it harder, throw it further, and I use it on almost every throw in the winter. I love the Snapstick Winter Blend. It just goes on about every throw. Again, you rub your fingers or rub it on your clothing just enough to get it right to that perfect grip level. Check out DG Max Wax at dgmaxwax.com. Get a grip. Use code Nick and Matt. Um, I, I can't say enough good about them over there. Josh, the guy who's running it, the product that he's come up with, fantastic. All right. The other thing we're going to jump into right now We brought it to you last week. It is my brother, Josh, bringing a segment that we have yet to name. Leave a comment. What do you think this segment should be called? Josh brings us more or less a monologue of a topic related to disc golf's current uh, trends and things happening. And we have decided to go down this route right now of bringing in the recorded segment of it. He'll bring his monologue take and we may or may not react to it. But let's go ahead and jump right in. Josh, take it away. With 20-plus events on the tour this year, how do you determine which events matter the most and which might matter a little less? Are all wins created equal? Now, it probably goes without saying that you put more value in the world championships than you would at, let's say, the Open at Austin. But what about comparing the Portland Open to the Dynamic Discs Open? Now, you might largely rely on intuition, or maybe you calibrate yourself based on what you see on social media, or maybe you flatly don't care about what others think and you just have your own favorites. But in general, what are the factors that move an event up towards the top of the most important list? Now, I'd start by arguing that there are at least 10 factors that play into that formula. The history of the event, right? An exciting event with past big name winners, year over year storylines is a great event execution and operational logistics, media coverage, both availability and quality. Now, brand and marketing for the event. It's all about the hype. Official pro tour tiering in the corresponding tour points value. PDGA sanctioning, for example, is it a major? Now, money is part of the equation, the event payout, but also how about corresponding bonus structures? The strength of the field is a factor. Spectator culture and the turnout. And then, of course, the player's perspective. Now, I would argue, almost without exception, that quite honestly, all those factors, as important as they each may be, 
They actually simply serve as building blocks to the one that really matters, which is the player's perspective, how they and their peers personally feel about the event in question, how well the event is run, what's on the line, the titles, the money, the tour points, prestige. Now, ultimately, you can scrap all those other factors. If you just look at the player's perspective, you will know which events rank toward the top and which rank toward the bottom. Let the players calibrate your compass here. Now, simply put, the players determine the most important and the most valuable events. So how do you know which events the players care the most about? Well, really, it's probably about three things. The uh, events they say are the most important, two, the events they actually show up to, and three, the events that they prepare the most for. You know, consistent year-over-year -year strength of field, that certainly tells us something. What the players consistently say to us, for example, majors are obviously important. What we observe, you know, for example, last year, Ricky uh, at Des Moines Champ Challenge uh, didn't perform all so well and actually ended up saying it's because he was focused on Worlds that was the next event on the calendar. It tells us something about the events. History and prestige mean something, but ultimately because it matters to the players. Now, I personally would love to see a scoring matrix with all these attributes listed for each event. It's worth noting, of course, there would be some jockeying year to year as we see changes with events on the tour, and we won't be surprised by some of the perennial contenders for the top of that list, USDGC, Worlds, Ledgestone, Maple Hill, and so on. But I'd be curious what's further down that list and where we actually see the widest variation across attributes. For example, DDO being run as one of the best events, but players don't always seem too enthusiastic about it in general. Now, ultimately, it's all about the players. If the event is high enough in importance, then they will throw all they have into it. And when they do that, we know we as the fans are getting to see the best of the best compete against each other. That ramps up our excitement. And in the end, the final outcome of those events mean even more. Now, how about this last little idea? I know it's unlikely to happen, but wouldn't it be fun to see a sliding scale of tour point values for all the events on tour. The top events actually give out the most tour points. The lowest events give out the fewest points. Not only would this lead to the events themselves competing to move up that list, which would be awesome to see, but the pressure on the players to perform well at the top events would increase even more than what they already are. So I'm curious, what are your top events and why? Wow. So that's the segment style that we get. And yes, that's my real brother. Someone in the chat's like, is that a real, real brother? <laughs> Not like, what's yeah. up, brother? Like, he's actually my real brother. Yes, he's my older brother. Hey, and uh, Jacob's back. Good. Uh, so that's a that's a topic. Leave your thoughts in the chat uh, or comments, post, whatever. Send us messages, however you want to do that. Let Josh know what you think. He checks the comments um, for feedback. So, um Jacob, how do you decide what events you're playing this year or the next year or in the past years? How do you choose your events? Um, usually it kind of depended on like what my friends were playing, like kind of just like hitch rides. We all share rides, um, split gas, split hotels, whatever. And then uh, just the, like the courses we want to play. Um, I don't necessarily like 
the kind of Texas swing, like, it doesn't, like, excite me. The wind and cold is not really something I really want to play in. Wind and the cold? Only one on, like, Texas? Wind yeah. and cold? Have you ever been up to New England? Nope. <laughs> I imagine uh, if it goes, you know, like... it'll be in August or September, which sounds a lot nicer than uh, uh, Texas in March sounds less fun than New England in All right. September. At least visually. Yeah, like the only one on that swing I'd like kind of want to do is uh, like Jonesboro. I feel like that course sets up really well for my game, and that's like one I, I eventually want to play. <clears throat> yeah. Um, so. You've been playing disc golf since a young age. Uh, we always ask people, like, what do you think your strength is? We watch and see how you play, but, like, if you had to say, man, I feel most confident, and knock on wood, right? But, I mean, just the, what's the strongest part of your game? Uh, definitely distance. My ability to throw a long-powered golf shot, I feel like, is what sets me apart from a long, like a lot of, like, power players. You see a lot of, pl- like, power players throwing big old flexes to get the distance or like shots of that sort while well, I could just rip like a hyzer like a hyzer flip halo destroyer just right down the middle and keep it in the middle of the fairway. I think I think that saves a lot of strokes, especially like on the longer courses we're playing on tour. <clears throat> yeah, that that's my biggest problem, Jacob. I think if I could throw as far as you, I'd probably be on tour. <laughs> like and and I'm joking, but I'm also very serious. Like that is a big important part of the pro game today. So that's awesome. Um, if I had to guess how far he's going to say he could throw, if we did a little judge that disc golfer right now, um, come up with a number in your head. We asked the question. We're not going to do official judge that disc golfer, but come up with a number in your head. If I asked you how far can you throw a disc, that's all I tell you. You just have to come up with a number. Um, like as far as I can throw? I just say how far can you throw a disc? You decide what that means for you. Okay. All right. You got a number up there? File it away. Okay, Evan, how far is he going to say? Oh, man, he's struggling. Just the, the question's so tough because it's like you it don't is. know which it is. It is. Is uh, it like world record? And I don't know which one he's going to choose. And so I, I think he's going to say like 550. Uh, Nick, what do you think? I think 550 is a great answer if it's talking about Cupcake's golf distance because it's actually probably pretty close to that. But I think if he's going max power, he's, he's pushing like 660, 675. He's going to say he can put one out there to 625. I think he's not going to go like that's pretty that's that's probably tapping as limit although I don't know his limit but and in turn Ben what do you think? 691. Oh, he's going the over. All right. So this was a very short version he, of he judge went with that the disc USCGC golf. number. <laughs> very short version of judge that disc golfer just for the fun of it. Jacob, what was the number you had in your head? 625. No way. I did not chat with him off air. I'd I'd say that's probably like right in between of like what I know I could throw 600. And then if I'm going all out full distance where I ride one out, I feel like probably 640. So So, I probably hit the sweet spot at 625. Is this this hyzer like you're saying or or full flex? Like full flex. Okay. Like distance comp. Yeah. yeah. Almost. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the chat was guessing anywhere from 550 to or 450. Someone said all the way up to 690. So uh, that's far. Regardless, I, I mean, you might not think 4 450 is far, but it used to be that that was more than enough to be on the pro tour. So I feel like we're coming a lot a long way here to where like you want to be throwing well over 500 or 550 now. Um, so good for you. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, 
I feel like putting, people talk about your putting stroke being pretty clean too. <clears throat> I mean, we razzed you a little bit just because Terry did and I just jumped on the bandwagon. But <laughs> but um, did you watch the coverage when Terry called you out? No, I, I mean, I went straight to the, I went straight to like the holes where I knew I took long to see if he left it in. And he did. I mean, I'm not mad at him. I mean, it helps the analytics. I mean, I'm not mad at him. Like, it helps the analytics because all the comments, it helps get recommended. I know what's going on. Um, <laughs> the, the, the comments are funny, too. I mean, I love reading them because they act like I do this every round. And it's like, that's not the fact at all. I mean, when you get put in, like, high-pressure situations where you're trying to chase down a lead or every stroke matters, like final round or, like, kind of like moving day like you're trying to get every stroke you can so i mean there is a lot of players that do take over 30 seconds in like some like like occasions but you never see that because post-production usually gets cut down it's like it's a very minimal thing but i think i honestly think terry probably saw the coverage of goat hill where i was taking longer and see like saw the talk about that and i mean i have dialed it down but he did reference a comment I've made in that comment section of the video. So I think it was so he can get his comments up too. Well, whatever the reason <laughs> oh, it worked. I was gonna say whatever the reason is, <laughs> yeah. um, I, I I thought that was a fun opportunity to ask you if you heard or saw what he posted about. Um, but I was actually gonna go down to like the putting game. Uh seems very clean. Mm-hmm. I see it in the chat too. Overthrow again, really active in the chat tonight. Thanks, Josh. Uh your your putting stroke. Uh, when when it's not those two or the ones at Goat Hill, when it's not those, and we here's another judge that disc golf. Let's just do it. It's the full interview. How many putts <clears throat> are you making from Circle's Edge? Don't don't answer out loud yet. If we give you ten putters, not windy, not elevated, you're at Circle's Edge. You can't jump, but you're right there at Circle's Edge. How many are you making? Don't answer yet. Get a number in your head. Ten putters. And uh, Nick, he's he's playing pro tour events. What is he going to say? I'll say eight out of ten. Uh, ben, what do you think? Oh, Charles, I was going to say that too. Eight. Uh, Evan, what do you think? Oh, I, I get to go after, before you. I'll go. Oh, man. No, no, no. That's okay. I'll go. I'll go. I, I can't whine and get my way. Uh, I kind of want to go ten, but I'm going to go nine. Yeah, I'm going nine too. And I was going to say almost the same as you. I feel like that's he's going to feel confident. Let's let's go. What do you think, Jacob? Are we talking tournament or practice? That's a good question. Um, to give you all, he's like, are we talking yips? G- give yeah. us, give us both. Just give us both. What do you think? I say probably nine. Okay. I mean, in general, I'm a really good putter. So is that tournament nine or or what's the uh, you were asking for? Which one? Does it change one way or another? Uh, probably in practice, I'll make ten. Woo! Let's go. <laughs> That's what I hoped you would say. <laughs> Uh, so that's good. I don't know. Putting in the backyard is really easy. So, right? <laughs> yeah, true. it is. <laughs> that's true. Um, and I hate to say it, but I had a, a conversation with Evelina at Maple Hill about that. And I just asked her, like, what was up with the putting the last year? And now we're seeing a little bit this year. And she was just like, I don't know. I feel really confident practicing, like extremely I'm hitting everything. So I don't know. There's something to be said there, right? Um, so. Your power distance thrower is your strength. Nine out of ten is what you're you're saying you would likely hit. Um, where's where's the weakest part of your game? What's holding you back from a win on the big stage? Uh, I feel like I got a big ego on the course that I'm 
now kind of turning down and I'm kind of getting an actual hold over my game now where I kind of understand how to play golf the way I want to play and throw the shots I know how to throw at a very high level. And just just figuring out what my strengths are on every aspect and what shot I need to throw and really like kind of just dial that in. I think that's helped me a lot. And I think a lot of the times on the course that's like holding me back is I feel like I could throw the hero shot. And that's not always the case because that's usually when you end up giving up a lot of strokes. Yeah. Can you break that down a little bit more for us? And and I hate to always reference back to my son, but my son just turned 13 and I feel like his biggest holdback, and I know he's only 13, but was decision-making. It was the mindset of, I can do this, so I'm going to try to do this no matter what, you know, the the risk reward is. It's the times to go for it now. And I'm always like, it's not the time. It's not the time. Like there's, and that was my experience talking. Was any of that what you're talking about here, where it was just like my ego you talked about? Like, break that down for us. What was that like practically on the course? No, yeah, for for sure is just uh, strictly um, decision making. It's I step up to a lie. Okay, I got 450 feet. I can I can throw big hyzer over OB all the whole way, and then hopefully get a skip back in bounds, or I could throw a hyzer flip, play me to 30 feet. But it's like, okay, now I gotta make a thirty footer when I could be parked. It's like it's I would kinda take the high the the lower percentage shot, kinda trying to be like the show off of it. Okay. When you don't necessarily need to do that or stuff like that. I feel like we know someone who's a pretty top level athlete <laughs> who used to do the hero shots all the time and has toned it back and ended up winning four Pro Tour events last year. And we'll talk about Mr. Simon Lazat. Um, definitely someone who is able to throw those hero shots, be able to do the 450, 500 foot hyzers. You're hoping it skips back and bounds. You know, it's kind of also a show for the crowd playing in front of some spectators. And we noticed when he started dialing back, and this is due to an injury, but when he started dialing back his game, he just became a lot more consistent with it. So you still being young in your career, have that time to make those decisions. You can still make the bad ones here and there. Don't get me wrong. I think everyone does, you know, doesn't matter what level you're playing. Everyone's going to make a bad decision here and there because you think it's the right one at the time. But realistically, I mean, being able to tone it back, but being able to have the skill set that you do with those distance shots is, you know, it's something that's going to, I think, elevate into the next level of your own game. No. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, people in the chat right now are saying, man, I love this guy. Uh, he's going to be household name in disc golf soon. I, For anyone who's been watching, you're a name that's known. And whether or not it's due to the cupcake smashed in your face or not, Paul Macbeth helping put a little bit of a light there. Um, branding is a big thing. Um, and so what are you thinking about at age, you said 20 what? I'm 20. Oh, 20. That's why I'm like 20. <laughs> At age 20, like, what are you starting to think about in the branding world? Like, everything from how your social media, is that something that's in your forefront, forethought right now? No, yeah, it definitely is. Um, right now, branding and followers and everything like that is a big part of our contracts now. I mean, and just helping us grow as a player and getting our name out there just even more because say I have my name on a disc, even if it's just a fundraiser disc, I have to pay for them. Say, but I get them in bulk at the cheaper cost, like for all those people, those newer people that are coming in, but want to make a name for themselves. I think it's definitely beneficial to get those fundraiser discs and sell those 
because just by someone throwing it, someone can walk by on the course and see that and be like, oh, okay, now they know your name as well. So I think it definitely plays a huge role. And I think people, especially on the pro tour and everybody that's trying to come up is get your name out there, brand yourself, do t-shirts, um, fundraiser discs, whatever it is. And just really just try to market yourself in that aspect and post videos, show your personality, let people see you throw your shots. Like it doesn't always have to be all the greatest shots. I mean, I know I, I like to post all the good shots, not the bad ones, but I mean, <laughs> just people seeing like who you actually are and knowing that you're not perfect. I mean, that, that, um, that just shows to like who you are as a person. And I think people, people like kind of, um, you get what I'm saying. Yeah, they want they want I genuine. I can't remember. They, the word. they yeah, want yeah. they want genuine, and, and people are talking about that. So uh, that's good for you to be in that space right now to be thinking about that, um, because that's the long term, really, for most sports athletes. You can be, <laughs> you can be one of the most hated players if you're re- if you are the absolute best. But if you are the absolute best and you're also one of the most loved man, you're, you're going to go a lot further, uh, in the world. Um, and your influence will be much higher, which is, which is, uh, important as well. Um, Evan, you, you planned a segment for us, uh, know your ABCs. I don't know. It's a pretty new segment, Jacob. You want to play? It's just a little trivia game. Let's do it. All right. He's been around long enough. He should be able to be as good as, uh, Nick or, or I'd say me, but I really bad. He should be better than me. All right. I say I don't even know if any of us really have a good track record yet on this game since it's so new. All right, we got to give I, a little. I, ditty I might be hundred percent. Little to be ditty honest. for Evan. It's usually our interview song, but know your ABCs, Evan. This is all yours, man. I got to make sure I'm tracking this too because I don't. Is this the third time we've done it? Second time? Fourth time? Third? third maybe? I, see, third? I don't. I, I don't know, and that's on me. I should know that. Uh, but let's get into it. Each question will have three options, A, B, or C, and you want to guess which one is correct. Uh, for the question number one, which of these events did the MPO winner have the best birdie rate? Birdie or better rate, that is. Uh, which of these recent events did the MPO winner have the best birdie rate? A, LVC, B, Crush on the Concho, and C, the Memorial Championship. Hmm. The, the events are not a trick question. It's the ones that we've been talking about. LVC being just two weeks ago and then I'll start. Uh, Memorial and Crush on the Contra being this past weekend. The, which, the winner had the highest birdie rate? Yes. Which of those events did the winner, the MPO winner, that is, have the best or highest birdie rate? Birdie or better? Oh, I think I got it. All right. Everyone has an answer. Yep. If As long as you hold it, your honor. All right, Jacob, what do you got? I say, I want to say it's the Crush at the Contra. I think that's what the name is. Yep, that's B. Okay, I'm going I'll with... I'll say B. Oh, you're oh, saying B, Nick. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm going to say B as well. I'm saying Memorial. I'm saying B. Wow, okay. And we got three for B, and then we got How many rounds Memorial, was the crush of the concho? Three. Three. Memorial was and four, so right? It's percentages. Yeah, it'll be I know it's percentage. percentage. I know it's percentage, yeah, right. but I just felt like, man, there's an opportunity to bump it higher with four even. I, anyways, and I know those courses. All right, I'm wrong. Yeah. Well, are you? I don't know. He Give is, it to me. It's Crush. Yeah, you are. The answer is B, uh, Crush at the Concho with a birdie rate of 69% for Joel Freeman. Uh, Memorial was second at 64% for Gannon Burr. And then Calvin Heimberg at LVC was 54%. So about 15% lower than Freeman at Crush at the Concho. 
Wow. And, and yeah, it was only three rounds. So I think the scores, the overall numbers were maybe around similar. I'm not exactly sure. I forget the exact two par, uh, but because it was three rounds, obviously more birdies per round uh, to get to that score. Uh, and keeping it on crushing the contra for number two, we're going to go to Stacy Ronsley who won an FPL. She won uh crush of the concho, which was in Texas. I want to know what year did she win her first event in Texas? We got a 2021 B 2022 and C 2023. Is this FBO only? Uh, I did it as all, all divisions. So any division. MA3. <laughs> it could be MA3 in turn. It could be, be MA3 say. for all we know. For all we know. And Ben knows you pretty well. No. <laughs> okay. Um, come up with a number guys. And this is just yeah, a shot me- in the dark. Yeah. Yeah, let me run through it again. It's A, 2021, B, 2022, and C, 2023. Those years can I'm going, ABC. ooh, in Texas. Why do I forget where she's from? I'm going to say this This is it. So C, I think, is what it is. I'm going with Jacob. What do you think? C. I'll say B. Me too. B. Ooh. All right. We got two Bs and two Cs. Uh, the answer is... C. This was her first ever win in Texas. Uh, And if my geography is right, I think it's her first win west of the Mississippi. Um, Yeah, Illinois is east of the Mississippi, right? I was just doing that off memory right before. I'm like, yeah. Midwesterners are going to go crazy at me. I'm pretty sure she has won in Illinois before, but otherwise it'll be first win west of the Mississippi in Texas. So the answer is C 2023. Uh, She has not won any uh, amateur or any other divisions, but FPO in texas either uh so that did not affect the answer uh and going into the final question we got waco coming up so there's a couple holes that kind of played into this question what was the toughest par three at 2022 mpo major and elite events and i'm looking for average score to par just for mpo in this last season elite and majors uh waco hole 15 waco hole 18 or MVP open hole six. What I was, was the hardest. Part I don't even know three. what those holes look like. <laughs> so you know Waco, Waco hole fifteen is the one that's kind of with the electrical boxes, with the road, kind of tight OB. Okay. You can either go short, OB oh, in the middle, okay. and then long fence on the right side. Hole eighteen is the final hole over the water. Yeah. Used to be a par four, now it's a par three. And MVP hole six is rock wall on the right side, oh, so kind of tight alleyway. Uh, then gets really skinny going up into the basket. Um, tough. Even I don't rims. have rough distances actually on these. That's uh, just that's the sh- like kind of like the four hundred foot one before the S shot one, right? On the oh, which one are we talking about? MVP? Yeah. No. Uh, no. MVP. It's right after the shot over the water. It's like a forehand over the water. The next one is a par three that the, probably is like three hundred fifty feet. Yeah, downhill. Kind of go yeah. to downhill and then a little bit to the right. Yeah, very, very oh, gentle. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah. Early Rock on, the on the right. I think that yeah. one used to be a par four in history as well. Um, that I don't for know. One year. I knew but you. It's now par. Three. I knew you were going to throw an MVP or Maple Hill hole six, and I was like, it's not going to be that one because this... I know there's one that's harder than that. Because I think you've told me yeah. before, but I can't remember if it's one of the Waco holes. Um, is this yeah. all time or last year? And this is yeah. To reiterate the, the original question, it's 2022 MPO majors and elite just par threes. All right. Uh, what I'm is the B. hardest par three average score to oh. par? 
whole oh. 15 at, or whole 15 at Waco, whatever one that was. Whole 15 at Waco was A, whole Egg. 18 at Waco was B, whole 6 at MVP Open is C. I'm wrong, but I don't know the difference between the two Waco holes, so I'm just going to go ahead and pick Maple Hill anyway. So, Maple Hill. All right. What do you think, Nick? I said Nick a. said, Nick said okay. A, hole 15 at Waco. And what did Jacob say? I'm going C, at Maple Hill. And, and Maple Hill, hole okay. six. Hold, Maple Hill, hold on. We're going to do something real quick. Sit tight, Jacob. Uh, uh, Gannon Burr, what do you think? Hardest... Par three. You can just hit the yeah. guest one. Yeah. Hardest par three. Hardest par three uh, on tour last year, that being majors yeah. and elite for MPO. We have Waco hole 15. We have Waco mm. hole 18. And we have MVP open Maple Hill hole six. What do you think, Gannon? Hardest par three. Definitely hole, fi- hole 15 at Waco. Let's go. That's my guy. All right. So we've got two guests now, Jacob and Gannon. We're going to swap them out as we can here. But we're, we're just about done with Jacob. But I had to get Gannon in on this because he popped back in. So what's the answer, Evan? The answer is hole 15 at Waco by a hair over hole 18 at Waco. Yeah. Uh, and I will say these numbers might be a little bit inflated because of hole one last or sorry, round one last year. Uh, but hole 15 at Waco last year played point zero. Sorry, 0.83 over par. Hole 18 at Waco was 0.81 over par. And then MVP hole six was actually 0.62. So almost point, well, over 0.2 uh, easier than hole 15. All right. Yeah, that uh, hole sucked. I don't know who won at this point, but it wasn't I me. I didn't win. It, it might have been it Nick. It was either Nick or Cupcake held on to it. Oh, my goodness. Nick, I need I, to get better Cupcake, how many did tracking. you get right? You got to pull him back up. How many did you get right? Two. You got two? I got two right. Okay. I think Nick got two as well. Is so. there any tiebreaker or are we just calling it a tie? Oh, man. Cupcake Let's... and I will do a distance competition. I get three shots. He gets one. <laughs> yes. And to be honest, he'll still probably I was just going to say. <laughs> Too late. Too... Yeah, I, I agree with that take. So uh, we'll crown we'll crown <laughs> Jacob the winner All right, here. Jacob, you're the you winner. Cupcake. Uh, we appreciate you coming on. A lot of our fans and listeners here are really appreciative for the insight that they've been given by your answers tonight. The, we think you're going to be seeing more and more around. Now you have at least in turn Ben's contact if it ever works out. And you, you do We're best so. friends now. Yeah. <laughs> you do something, um, we'll bring really, you on. Really quick, people were asking earlier, Cupcake, where can they help support you? Buying a fundraiser disc? Where Where should they look? Uh, they can message me on Instagram at cupcake underscore this or message me on Facebook at Jacob Curtis. And there you go. It's Curtis. It's, it's Curtis, everybody. Yeah, it's Curtis. <laughs> That's another good one. Cool. Well, Cupcake, appreciate you coming on tonight. Thank you for being a last minute interview and uh, wish you the best of luck at your next few tournaments and hopefully see you on some more coverage soon. Thank you, guys. and. Appreciate you guys for letting me on the platform. Oh, we'll let you yep. on, man. Out, Anytime. Bud. You're welcome. All right. Have a good evening. All right. You guys as well. Peace, Peace out. All right. And just like that, everybody, Jacob Cordis, Curtis. Curtis. Out. Gannonburg. Gannonburg. in. Um, you, you know how technology goes, though. Technology is going to be fine until we bring him back on and then it's just going to go bad. So, hey, did you drive yeah, through like a dead spot? Like, where are you? Well, we're in the middle of Texas, um, coming from the memorial, obviously, to Waco. Uh, so, yeah, kind of in the middle of nowhere. We're probably only an hour out right now, but 
I, I have LTE now, or before it was just like 3G. So hopefully nice. it stays. I don't know. That's cool. 3G. Man, that used to be I fast. Don't even think Ganon was playing pro events when 3G was like yeah. the main network. I, Ganon, I told him. Um, I said the problem was I knew we were in a bad spot when all of a sudden green bubbles started showing up in my iPhone. <laughs> oh no! Oh, did we no. lose again? Matt, you cursed it. <laughs> green you bubbles. It. Green bubbles. Can you hear us, Gannon? LTE. Yeah. Well, wait, guys. No. Hello. We got you. <laughs> we got you now. Yeah. Can you guys hear me? Yes. We can hear you. We're good. Yep. Okay. Yep. <laughs> well, we just went, we just went downhill. So I don't know. Hopefully, <laughs> <laughs> we just so went downhill. <laughs> okay, uh, let me get this question in. Then we'll see where this goes. Maybe it'll get better. Maybe it'll get worse. So originally, yeah. a couple weeks ago, I I called you out and said five disc Ganon. I said that's what it looked like you were carrying five disc. And then Evan came back and reported LVC, and he's like, ah, it's more than five. He's like, it might be seven <laughs> or something, right? And then someone said they saw you carrying a lot more. So, like, what is where does that progression come from uh, with your bag lately? Yeah. So, for Elvis, see, obviously, with everything being unexpected, I really trusted. And dang, I don't even know. Oh, yeah. And I lost one of my favorite. I lost one of my favorite overstable drivers on whole 18 at Las Vegas, the final round. And. I had nothing. I had like one backup and that's it. Um, so yeah, for all stars, I had like literally four discs. Vegas was maybe like six. I trusted. And then, uh, for Memorial, I was able to, you know, obviously play a couple practice rounds in the courses. And I was kind of able to see like how stuff flew. So, uh, Oh crap! <laughs> Hello. Yeah, you're, you're good. Well, Keep it going. was it was like this weird okay. like it was slowly disappearing and then you come back. So we went. Well, I, we went down the hill again. So I don't know. Like, <laughs> like when you go down the hills, like it, you lose all the connection. Just um, tell Alden to stop yeah, driving but, down hills. That's all you gotta do. Well, I don't know how we're supposed to get to our spot then. Just drive up uh, hills. Up hills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Only, only drive up the hill. We'll make, we'll make, uh, we might be going down another hill. <laughs> <laughs> uh oh <laughs> might be going um <clears throat> any word uh, we saw you show up on uh i think brody's uh, podcast i think it's called on tour with paul uliberry you showed up in person and sounded to me like you were optimistic for a resolution with um all that you have going on legally uh, is there any resolution on the the horizon for you or is it still the same old well i don't know we're we're working on something but so, so, I mean, it's legal, so who knows? We we caught the word "it's legal," so who knows? But I think you went down another hill just at the ideal time for me when I asked that question. So that was that, yeah, was, that was that was all I said. Yeah, that was all I said. All right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. No. So I mean, one of the questions I did want to ask you earlier, though, is you know, all this kind of came about, you know, starting right before the All Star event. Um, mentally, how have you been feeling through these last few events? You know, played pretty well over at the All-Stars where that's a little bit more relaxed. Didn't have the best finish over at Wake, uh, excuse me, over at Las Vegas. And then winning the Memorial. Just kind of tell us where you're at mentally with everything going on in your own personal life. Yeah, it's obviously frustrating. Just it's always in the back of my head, kind of. Um, but that can be annoying at times. 
I don't know. I can't really blame it for my bad play at Las Vegas. I think that was just purely my game not really feeling that well. The only thing that I could blame was like not knowing my discs because I didn't really have any discs. And mm-hmm. um, my putting's not felt great because I don't really have any putting putters. And, um, you know, Alden doesn't use the same plastic or putter I do, and neither does Isaac. So I, I can't really find any putting putters right now. So my putting putters are all super beat up, chewed up, scratched up from all the all the rocks in Arizona and Las Vegas and stuff. So kind of having to work with a putter I'm not really too happy with. That's probably the most difficult part right now. But um, I think uh, I think it was mainly just, just getting getting back into the field turn. I can smell blood. He just went down another hill. So blood up. He, he went down blood. another hill. it's like we gotta like he's he's gone gone. so it's it's the it's this battle of like as hosts like how long do you let the like stuttering go before you jump in but yeah we could tell where it was going there so um if he gets back in we'll ask a few follow-up questions and we'll just cut him free we appreciate his time um we'll see what he answers here but my my next question was going to be gannon fourth place overall last year like Disc Golf Pro Tour rankings. What is your mindset for this year with that in mind? And I'll say Nick gives you a pass for the first couple until this is figured out. But <laughs> like, yeah. I just want to see what his I, mindset is. I think most people should. Um, but there's also what I kind of want to but say earlier. He, if we're but does getting he back give on, himself a pass? No, I don't think any pro player would actually say like, oh, I deserve a pass right now. I think mentality wise, he's probably, you know, I still want to go out and win every single tournament. But if we're kind of harping on the subject right now, um i totally lost my train of thought right now sorry hold on no it's all right i had it right there we were talking about gannon giving a pass yeah fourth place talk about something because i gotta figure this out what's his mind anyways so yeah what's his mindset where if you come out of last year and we're not him you come out of like yeah nick scott that's all i had to say okay so yeah sorry i'm totally gonna cut you off because it's probably gonna leave my head again um a lot of what we talk about in disc golf, especially as kind of commentators in the podcast worlds and social media aspect of things, is recency bias. Um, we talk about, you know, Ricky being the number one player in the world last year, uh, having an incredible season, Simon having a great season, Paul having a great season. But more often than not, we're really trying to talk about the people who had just specifically won it, said tournament. And this is for MPO side and FPO side. So I think recency bias plays a huge part in it. Obviously, seeing, ha- seeing Gannon have a very consistent year last year finishing fourth overall in the Disc Golf Pro Tour points, winning the USCGC at the end of the year. We're kind of expecting really, really big things from him. But realistically, you know, where is the happy medium of what we're actually expecting out of these people? Like, you know, Paul's, what, 32 years old? And Ricky's, I don't think he's that old. But at the same time, Ricky's a two-time world champion, Paul being a six-time. Like, when do we stop expecting them to win worlds? You know, it's kind of, I think, the same thing with Gannon is, when do we not expect him to, you know, do well at a certain thing because he did well at something last year. Ah. So anyways, Gannon is back though. So Gannon, we're talking about how good you are last year, specifically fourth overall, you know that you come into this year. What did you do with your mindset coming into this year that you think sets you up for success? Yeah. Um, well, first of all, I'm on Alden's phone right now. Whoa. Because- my phone doesn't seem to work, uh, so hopefully it stays. Hopefully there's no more hills. Uh, but yeah, my mindset, I felt I felt pretty good going uh, coming into the year. I felt like, I felt uh, comfortable. 
I don't know. It was actually kind of weird. For Vegas, in the first couple rounds of the Memorial, I had no nerves, like literally nothing. And like, like I obviously still care so much, and um, but it was just weird. Like I couldn't get nerves. So sometimes I feel like the nerves helps me play. Like I care, and when I don't have the nerves, it's hard to even focus sometimes because you're just playing so like casual, and you can't lock into that like you know beast mode in a, in a way, I guess. So mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I got the nerves back for the final round of the the memorial and was able to hit a couple couple big putts and throw some nice shots um and that felt good so i think i'm going to be back for the season so uh obviously there's, there's going to be up and down ups and downs but uh uh just to get that rust off, off after the first couple events didn't go how i wanted to win the memorial it feels amazing yeah it's just i mean it it's incredibly high performance level and nick's asking like <laughs> like when paul doesn't when Paul doesn't win a Worlds, which isn't that often, it's like he's got so many. But when he doesn't, like, is that like, oh, my goodness, he didn't play as good as he could, right? And, like, we do that to a lot of players. Ricky, this is what Nick was saying right before you got back on. And we're kind of saying, well, if Alden, fi- uh, Alden, you're on his phone. <laughs> if, if, if Gannon finishes fourth overall last season and wins a major, like, if he gets 10th or 30th at an event, like, do we give him a pass? Do you give yourself a pass? Uh, not really. That's I think to me, honestly, anything outside the top ten is like bad. So, uh, you know, I and I, I think you know maybe this year I might have a couple finishes that I'm not. I might not be as consistent, but I think I'll in the long run. Hopefully, I have more wins. I think I'm. I'll be able to. Uh, you know, as I just progress as a getting a better player, better mindset. I I have that win off my back, like. I won the USCGC. Like, I got that win I've always wanted, and now there's not as much pressure to win in tournaments. So um, I think it's going to actually be easier. I mean, I feel like almost maybe it's Paul. I mean, obviously winning the Worlds is super hard, but when you already got five of them, like, you're like, I mean, your your legacy is already written. You don't have to prove yourself anymore. So, you know, you kind of just play and, and give it your all and not really have to worry about the consequences of not winning because he already still has, you know, five more World Championships to back his back his resume up. So I think now that I got at least one and one big major in, and you know, I think I'll be able to win a couple of events this year, hopefully, or at least be in contention for a lot of them. Yeah. And if I'm not mistaken, when you said it on our podcast, I think when we had you on after you CGC, you said, now that you got that one big win, these other ones should come a little bit easier at this point. Um, I mean, skill level wise, you're definitely up there with the top of the guys. You've had phenomenal success over the last couple of years. Um, goals for this year ultimately like what is kind of the main goal for this year yeah i want to win at least one major that's for sure um obviously looking at worlds uh but i think champions cup is one that suits me really well i feel like that course just plays really good to my shot shaping ability um and then obviously putting because there's not any wind in the woods so i think i have a decent chance there um if i go over to europe uh, i think i have a good chance at european open as well obviously usdgc and um so yeah, um, I, I feel like my goals are just to get maybe two pro tour wins on the elite series level. Um, I think I think that's going to keep my name in, uh, you know, in keep me relevant. I guess is the right word to say. Uh, and I, yeah, I just want I always want to be on as much, much coverage as I can be. That's kind of my goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, that's that's not a bad goal. I, I it's it's awesome to hear it. That's all I can say. It's awesome to hear it. Not not many would. Well, 
Many would say that they hope a major they win, but you're like, I hope to at least win a major. Um, and I think you have the skills to back that up. Um, a major and two pro tour wins is more than Paul Macbeth had last year. Uh, and I'm not doubting Gannon's, uh, Gannon's, uh, what am I trying to say here? His expectations or his hope. Uh, but that's, that's a high bar to set for yourself. So that's really uh, interesting to hear and not in a bad way. Yeah. I, I don't know if you can hear us or not. I had one parting thing for him to say, but it, it's, I can see him in the green room, but it's really breaking <laughs> up and he's probably just about to drop. Down a hill. I will say this. <clears throat> I don't know if he'll join again. I, I I should just text him and say you're you're good. Just text him. Tell him we wish him the best. Yep, you're good, man. We'll, um, we'll I, get him on for another interview our, when he's yeah, we'll, we'll settled up somewhere. Right? Hopefully, <laughs> yeah. We'll just bring him on every week. We'll give him the yeah. Gannon segment. That's fine. We yeah. The Gannon watch. Um, yeah. So, oh, he jumped back in. Let's see if this works out. This will be the parting one. <laughs> Man's okay. committed. Okay. I, I, go I go to four that. up real quick. Can you hear us, Gannon? Okay, it's it's giving you a little you. silhouette yeah, we can profile picture, but we if you, you can bottom. hear us, here's my question, or my not my question. It'll be a parting thing, because this is fun. You're going down a lot of hills, but our most watched reel ever on Nick and Matt show. Oh, he dropped. Is and I'll just tell everyone for our listeners. He's probably like, I want to know, is him talking about Franklin discs? You remember that episode he went off on and we were doing like a funny like parody of it. Can you yeah. hear us? No, it's still it's on and off. I can see he's on and off. Big going down a big hill. Um, but really, it, it's the Franklin Disc talk. Now I made it like a parody. I spliced it together so it would come off as like funny that he's saying he's going to Franklin, but he's popular on the Nick and Matt show, so we'll bring him on whenever he can. Uh he's Dedicated, as you said, intern Ben. He's look. He's I know trying again. he keeps yeah. coming back. Thanks, Gannon. We'll see if it works out. We'll cut him. We'll cut him slack. Yeah. Can you hear us, Gannon? Well, that doesn't sound good. <laughs> I would assume that's a no. I think we just gotta let him go. I mean, can you hear us? Stop. All right. After you break up, stop yeah. joining. <laughs> <laughs> can you hear us? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, uh, thanks for having me on. If I cut out again, uh, I'm sorry. It was so terrible. Hopefully, hopefully next time's better. It was, it was good. It was great. Actually happy. Anytime. Um, I was saying you are the most watched reel on the Nick and Matt show talking about Franklin discs. That was epic. I hope you don't mind. I edited that parody together that way. Um, but it, people are loving it. Nice. I'm, that's cool. I'm glad. All right, man. We'll do it again another time. We'll just pick a different brand next time. We'll just have a fun with it. Always just tell people where you're going. All right, man. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Okay. You guys, you guys drive safe. I just don't know what else to say because I keep thinking it's going to cut out Yo, every time. Again, thanks for your dedication. You you probably pressed that link at least 50 times today, so we appreciate you coming back in. You're relieved yeah. of your duties. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Next time, next time. Hopefully, we don't get on a bunch of hills. Exactly. Oh, you're actually pretty clear now. I know. It's yeah, like I was gonna perfect. say this is the one point where we're like booting him off the show, where he's like absolutely clear. We might as well just Watch, keep him on until he breaks off. On, go full screen on him. Look, it's like he's actually clear. good quality. It's like this is L five G. Perfect. Let's go. Well, it's I mean, like when you lose a disc the and then you're like, ah, oh, screw it. I'm just going to leave it. And then you find it the second that you say that. <laughs> that's, that's literally what's happening right now. So it's, pro it's yeah. probably going to cut out any second. Let's be real. But. And, we'll, and if it does, yeah. you're, you're relieved of your duties, as intern Ben said. Okay. okay. Um, Evan, right. 
Evan, come on, come up with a question for Gannon now that his connection is so crystal clear. I know, that's so weird. Oh, man. Uh, well, okay, so Nick was just talking about uh, recency bias, and I was going to kind of respond with, like, how important I think momentum is in disc golf, especially on the pro tour level. Someone who's getting a lot of top tens is going to kind of keep on doing that until they fall off, where we don't see as many kind of win than fall out of 80th or something like that, except for uh, one player like to do that last year who, who ended up getting four wins. Uh, but we'll cut on some slack. How, how much do you feel like momentum factors into uh, life on the pro tour? Uh, I think it can help and hurt. It's because a lot of times if you have momentum, like maybe you just won a tournament one weekend, like you almost have a lot of expectations for the next tournament. And it gets a lot harder to, you know, I feel like you have all that pressure on you. People are expecting you to win, maybe win or be in, in contention. Or other people can use it as, hey, I played really good last weekend. Let me Let me play good again. Um, I, I feel like I'm probably more of like weekend to weekend. Hopefully I can string some together, but uh, it'd be awesome if I could do, you know, just string together a bunch of a bunch of weeks where I'm up, up top and maybe even winning. Yeah, and it's not just about winning. It's about consistently finishing, I mean, top 10. I mean, like you yeah, said yeah. a few minutes ago, you, you expect to finish top 10 at any event. So I, I, I guess I'm kind of more of thinking if you're finishing top 10, you're likely to finish top 10 again, not necessarily back-to-back wins because I feel like that is really tough to do. Uh, but if you're going to pick someone to finish top 10, it's going to be someone who finished top 10 last tournament compared to someone who finished outside the top 50, uh, even if they're both pretty solid players. Yeah. Um, We've made it, and I we're here now. I can't believe it's crystal clear. But we've asked a lot of questions. You've joined us throughout the whole show, which is some people said that's why they're here the whole time because you keep they want to know if you're going to come back. Like it's keeping people. The YouTube retention is extremely high right now. Thank you, Gannon. And then I off camera I muted, but people could see me laughing hard. I had this idea and I told intern Ben, I said, YouTube's video title is going to be like Gannon Bird joins the show 38 times. <laughs> like It's just going to be something like that. <laughs> so and yeah, it, was just, yeah. it just hit us as really funny. But in all seriousness, thank you. Um, you're starting your practice rounds for Waco. What tomorrow? Uh, yeah, I think we're going to film a. Me and Alden versus Brody and Ezra doubles match rematch. We we kind of waxed them last time, so they're they're looking nice. for some revenge. Well, there you go. We'll look forward to that content. Um, incredible. Someone said in the chat, they're like, if anyone ever says, and I think it was the username Disc Golf. So just so you know, I'm actually calling them by their username, Disc Golf. If anyone ever says Disc Golf is getting too big, think about this interview. <laughs> they're like, this is the most like awesome small thing ever, right? And we appreciate yeah, that about yeah. you, Gannon. We really do. Uh, you're really easy to get a hold of and talk to and get on the show, and we really do appreciate that. Um, we wish nothing but the best for you. Um, it's hard to say when this the connection's so strong, but we're gonna gut you loose because I can't yeah, stay up all night. I got a crazy. flight to catch in the morning. Yeah, I got you guys. All right, thanks for having me on. <laughs> best of luck, Gannon. Peace we'll out. Talk to yeah, you. see you guys. All right, talk see to you, man. Bye. That's all right. People will roast me on that, letting letting go one of the best players in the world. But like, guys, I gotta go on a catch a flight, which brings me, which brings me to the point. Yeah, I'm flying the next three weeks. Literally, I'm going tomorrow morning to work, and it's gonna be in Madison, Wisconsin, and then I'm coming back on Friday and heading out on Monday to go to Upper Peninsula of Michigan, and then I'm coming back on Thursday and going out on Monday to go back to the Upper Peninsula. So I'm just gonna be traveling a lot. The next two weeks, I will not be in studio. I will be joining, hopefully with a better connection, assuming that's that's there. And um, 
intern Ben will be yeah. the only guy, I think, downstairs in the studio. Mean Hunter. <laughs> Let's go. Uh, yeah, which that's got to be an odd feeling. I'm just going to jump in and say that. Uh, but just hanging out in another man's house by, yeah. well, not by yourself. The rest of that family will be upstairs. Yeah, they could, dude. They could be at judo, all the kids. I could just yeah, be just here chilling. Bust down the door. I'm going to go through your disc collection, and you won't notice. <laughs> you won't notice. Hunter so. has a detailed inventory spreadsheet with weights and colors and stamps. Oh, so right. one day and we'll order. Notice. He's not going to order inventory. within the boxes. There you go. Sorry to make so. intern Ben sit down here all night smelling tuna sandwiches. <laughs> Shout your wife though. She made she made a mean tuna sandwich, uh, like a tuna melt, yeah. and she brought it down while we were slaving to get the show ready. Yeah. So. Ooh, nice. Um, if anyone's curious, to our listening audience, I'm no. holding up three of these hot one chip challenge things. Intern Ben saw them nice. tonight and just started crying. He's like, "Three for Ben, right?" Yeah. He goes, "You got, yeah. you got three. You got three of the, three more." And I said, "No, Ben. They're always here, ready to go anytime." And he's like, "Nope." <laughs> <laughs> so tell us, this is the last, this is the last bit. It's 9.04 PM Eastern. Um, you were in desperation the last time we had talked to you about that. So like, give us the recap on that because we haven't done that yet. Like recap on, yeah, like, on what happened. Um, so here I'll go full screen. <laughs> so what happened? I, I ate the chip. I did pretty good. Um, and for like 20 minutes I didn't have really any anything no water nothing and then I got a bowl of ice cream biggest mistake of my life I went to to your guys's uh <laughs> that was a mistake freeze. yeah cuz I ate two and it just made me feel so sick I don't know oh. if it, if it if it mixed or anything so um yeah I basically was just pretty much you know I had to tough it out but it made me feel like well, I was sitting down here like the the sickness was got. I mean, the uh, spice started to alleviate one uh, towards the end of the episode, but my stomach was hurting, and I was like, I I felt like I I was like paralyzed in a certain way. I couldn't move my fingers past this. I was like this, <laughs> like my body was shaking so much. It's so explain much so, explain. Is it like a karate move that you're trying to show to our listening audience? It's like it's like it, it's like <laughs> if you have carpal tunnel, like very extreme. And, and he's holding his hands out as if he was doing karate. Yeah. So like <laughs> Taekwondo, and I couldn't get it past that. And so much so that I couldn't even type. And, and when I was rushing the bowl of ice cream back up to the sink, cause I was like, I can't eat this. I tripped and fell on your stairs. Cause I just <laughs> couldn't, I thought I heard something. I couldn't function. It was just like my body was just ice cream shivering. fell out. Yeah. And it got, went all my over kids the were like, dad, Intern Ben like fell down the stairs and ice cream went everywhere. <laughs> like it was, it was something like that. So, yeah, and then after the half, <sighs> like post show, honestly, I, I slept pretty good post show. And I then, slept pretty good. And then the next morning, obviously, you know, had, had some like funky colored, you know, things in the, in the bathroom. <laughs> oh, but uh, other than that, it wasn't like my stomach really hurt. It was just like, once it was over, it, I got, I was lucky All enough right. to, uh, what's coming up in this golf podcast. Yeah. What's coming up, Ben? <laughs> Which, what are we, oh, uh, what the, week and a half? The Northeast Disc Golf Expo. Overthrow Disc Golf's in the chat. He's going to be giving free forum reviews there. Robbie C. Disc Golf, Jesse from Trash Panda. The Nick and Matt show will also be there. You see his green screen back here? Matt is going to be using that to get you guys on the show in his own certain way. There's going to be tons of awesome companies um, and seminar speakers. You cannot miss this event. 
March 18th and 19th, Boxborough, Mass Ooh. at the Boxborough Regency. It is literally less than two weeks away. The whole Northeast disc golf is going to be there. I'm calling it now. I hope. People are flying in from Philly and everywhere else. Please, like, you guys need to show up. If you want this event to keep happening and keep happening. Can we give a prize to the come. furthest travel to come? Yeah. Okay, we'll figure Tell it out. Tell them to go to your booth. Sold. Government issued ID. <laughs> That's right. All right, Nick, we made it to the end. What do you want to do? What do you want to talk about? We have made it. I just want to say thank you, everybody, for tuning in tonight. Sorry about the technical difficulties on, you know, everyone's side. That's just a live show for you. Um, not sorry about the spoilers. I will say this right now. <laughs> oh, no. For the whole 2023 season, we will be more than likely trying to interview the winner of the Elite Series event or Big A tier that's been happening. So on Monday nights, just watch out for your YouTube. I don't want to say unsubscribe because we do appreciate you guys very, very much taking the time to tune in and listen to the show. But just be mindful that most Monday nights we will be talking to the winner. So spoiler alert ahead. There will be spoilers on this show. But um, in all seriousness, thank you everybody for tuning in tonight. We really do appreciate it. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button. Turn on them notifications. Hit the like button also. We had a decent amount in the live chat tonight. Hit the like button. To everyone listening to your post-podcast platforms, thank you very, very much. Tell someone you love them this week. Catch you guys in the next one. (laughs) That's right, intern Ben. You're awesome. Nick, you're awesome. Evan, you're awesome. The music was perfect. Peace. Peace out, everybody. See ya. The Nick and Matt Show, a disc golf podcast designed for you, the disc golfer. Find The Nick and Matt Show on your favorite podcast platforms or join the conversation live on YouTube.